I've never been in such mess. I've never been in such mess in my entire life. It's like being in the aftermath of the January sales, isn't it? Can't people tidy up? God, I don't start me in a bad mood this morning. It's bad enough with the blooming diet. Hugh Hefner marries some 26-year-old bimbo called Crystal. Not a real name. It's something like Helen or something like that. But, of course, she calls herself Crystal because it makes herself sound more interesting. Easier name for a gold digger, I suspect. She said she did have sex with Hugh Hefner once. By the way, there's a 60-year age gap. 60-year age gap. She said it lasted two seconds. I thought, you're very lucky to have got him that long. Six, two seconds for a, for a night of passion. She said, and to be honest with you, he doesn't really turn me on either. No, but the money's useful, Crystal, isn't it? We've seen a picture of you. I know what bimbos look like, love. I'm well aware of them. I've been looking at them in the paper for most of the weekend. Mainly face down in the gutter, actually, in Newcastle. Seems to be a very popular place at the moment. <clears throat> After we've had all the, the drunkenness of New Year's Eve, and uh, we've had... It's the same pictures as last year, I'm totally convinced. Where they go around the country... And they take pictures of uh, of Newcastle birds, mainly fat, hardly wearing any clothes, face down in the gutter, or in a pile of sick. I mean, it's it's you could have printed last year's pictures, year before, could have done anything like that. It's it's it is exactly the same people. You've got some. Dr- I suppose she'll look in the paper and go, "Oh, aye, that were me." Had a couple of drinks. There's some girl. I mean, God knows this one's ugly. This one really does take the Mickey out of ugly people, and she's quite clearly nicked a plant out of a plant pot. To be honest with you, it should be easier covering her face in it. I've never seen anything look so disgustingly awful in Swansea. Sorry, Swansea, but uh, you've got the ugliest birds going at the moment. <coughs> Mind you, not much better here in London, I'm afraid. There's also the woman in the paper today. They always get one, don't they? And they try and justify this poor creature here. She spent thousands of pounds, I think something like... What she spent? Well, they just say thousands, to look like Barbie. Now, I've had these people before. So, in other words, she just looks plastic and very small and very naff. You know, Barbie's lovely for little girls to play with. This one here, though, to justify the fact that she spent thousands looking like Barbie, which, of course, she doesn't, um, they actually tell you that she's um, got a law degree. So? What does that prove? Doesn't prove anything to me at all. So she spent all this money, and in all the papers there, a picture of her. I mean, she looks like the prize turkey, I'm afraid. Her name's Charlotte Poole. She's got her favourite Barbie outfit. She's quite clearly not all there in the brain department, so she might have a law degree. They hand them out like sweeties nowadays, don't they? And she says um, that her her real-life Ken boyfriend, Samuel, uh, thinks that she looks better in the morning, fresh-faced and with bed hair. I don't know whether she means they've dredged the mattress up for it. I've got no idea. But, I mean, I mean, poor old soul. She's got to pose. I mean, just an embarrassment, really, dear. Why have you, why have you made yourself look stupid? It's very, very odd. Very, very strange. Uh, then there was the confused seal, which has ended up in a, in, a, in a lake in the middle of nowhere. I don't know how on earth it got there. It kind of walked or got the bus, can it? Because we only heard a short while ago from somebody tweeting Ollie Mann that apparently all the buses are always full, you can never get a seat on them, and they're, ne- and they're never on time. More stupid than I imagined. And, of course, you don't have to be known with an Oyster card. Nobody's got any details of me. I just went and bought a card. I just I didn't register nothing at all. I haven't bothered registering the card. They haven't got my name, my address, nothing at all. I just go and top it up when I feel like it at the station. In fact, I did it yesterday at Waterloo. You touch the card to the machine. It says, how much do you want to put on? I put 20 quid on, so I've now got... £97 on the card, which is great. If ever I lose it, but of course I never lose things. I'm very good at not losing things. People say, oh, you should have it registered. Why? Don't want another company to have my name and address. I mean, let's face it, it's bad enough with all the people who go into supermarkets and use a, uh, a debit card and a credit card. They've got all your details immediately. You're logged onto the main computer. By the time you've, you've been to 
Asda or Tesco or Sainsbury's or any of... Wherever you've used your credit card, they've got your details. They've got everything on there. They know everything about you. They know your name and they know exactly how much you spend per month. That's why the supermarkets are the way they are. That's how they can afford to put prices up, because they know what you will stand. There's also some teenager, apparently for a dare... For a dare, proving that they don't get any more intelligent, I'm afraid, no matter where they're from. This was down in Cornwall, and he jumped off a ferry on New Year's Eve. I mean, you know, it doesn't come any more stupid than that, does it? Quite clearly, the Coast Guard has said there's no chance of finding this boy's body. There's no chance he would have survived. We had somebody dragged off a beach in Blackpool, I think. And again, you know, somebody out walking a dog at midnight. Hello? What sort of people go walking dogs at midnight? Obviously very strange people to go anywhere near a beach. But anyway, this particular one, Jordan Cobb, was filmed by CCTV jumping into the River Tamar. I mean, yesterday the Coast Guard said there's no chance. No chance of... Because what with the, the undercurrents, he could be anywhere by now. It's believed a friend wanted to dive in, but the other ones, who quite clearly weren't as three sheets to the wind as this one, said, don't. You know, it's dark... And you're jumping into water. The river temperature is slightly higher than usual, but there's a very fast current, four knots. Well, there's no ch- I mean, if, even if you're a moderate swimmer, you'd be battling against something like that as it drags you out to sea. I never understand why people do that. Is it drink? Is it drugs? What is it? I dare you to jump off the ship. I'd like to find the person on the boat out of his group of friends who said, go on, I dare you to jump off a ship. Mind you, I'd quite like to know his mental state. Nobody in their right mind jumps off a ship at any time of the day. There was that pub landlord, though. They found his body, didn't they? You know, the one who absconded with all the money, that thieving tow rag. That's the one who disappeared, and he took the money with and apparently jumped off the ferry halfway through, presumably working out that, uh, that the police were going to be waiting for him the other end, and they'd, be, uh, and they'd be sorting it all out. So he's no more. And then... As if things couldn't get any worse for well-known drunk James Corden, the Channel 4 show that has been absolutely pulled apart. When I did this story yesterday, I didn't know exactly what had gone on. I didn't realise that Jack Whitehall and James Corden had been so filthy on an obscene quiz. In fact, it got so bad that Ofcom have already received countless complaints about this pre-recorded show. The vile sexual jokes from James Corden. Probably very sweet man. Very sweet man. And of course, as ITV will tell you, he's an international superstar. We know he's an international superstar because he pitched up on Gary Barlow's rather lame show. He said, you know, Gary Barlow and his international superstar friends, Mark Owen, James Corden. It was real low-rent stuff. And James Corden is fine until he has a drink. And once he's had a drink, he becomes that, that boorish lout in the corner who is neither funny nor interesting and frankly, this time, what with, what with Jimmy Carr and his, uh, let's just call them, highly dubious tax affairs, uh, Jonathan Ross with his pervert phone call, you know, soon dropped by the BBC, having to grovel to ITV or to just about anybody, and now James Corden and Jack Whitehall. Why on earth, as this show was pre-recorded, this stuff was said, I can't even repeat or allude to anything that they talked about. I will just tell you it involved the royal family, Barack Obama and Susan Boyle. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, James, I should imagine Channel 4 will be fined a huge amount of money. I'll be, I mean, the trouble is, can somebody just tell James Corden, nobody likes a fat drunk, mate. Nobody likes a fat, filthy drunk. You know, to, to make jokes about Susan Boyle, fine, stand in the pub with your little friends who probably think you're very, very funny. Don't do it on a pre-recorded show. The producer should be fired immediately for airing this tribe. In fact, he actually said on it, he said, oh, I have to keep reminding myself, you know, in his sort of drunken fat boy kind of thing, you know, this this will all be transmitted. And then repeats the filth. Then repeats the filth about Susan Boyle. You know, she might not be everybody's favourite person. You know, she's got, you know, I'm afraid, uh, 
sort of issues in the upstairs department. She's not, she's not sort of, you know, the most normal person you're ever likely to meet. But then you don't expect, perhaps Channel 4, perhaps the, perhaps the boundaries of television haven't gone far enough. Perhaps we've decided nowadays that we want more of this filth. Perhaps we want to see more drunks like James Corden and Jack Whitehall, who we're told have drunk a bottle of wine each. Shows what sad drunks they must be. I mean, it's, it's just appalling. You know, to make jokes about the Queen because you know that, you, that she can't answer back. It's just great. Let's make jokes about you, James, shall we? Should we make jokes about you all the time? Because you're a fat, boring drunk. Let's do jokes about you. That's really funny, isn't it? How about a fat, boring, unfunny drunk? Hey! And I'll tell you what, we could tell you a few old bedroom secrets about James Corden. It doesn't have to be true. We can just make them up. That'd be funny, wouldn't it, James? I'll tell you what, let's make jokes about your parents. Should we make jokes about your parents, James? Would you like that? No, of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. Because they, they maintain a discreet silence. But that's exactly what you're doing. You're taking the mickey out of, you know, the Queen and Susan Boyle. You know, who danced with a broom once at an airport. I mean, there's not a lot you can say about it. I mean, quite clearly she's not all there in the upstairs department. But I'll tell you what, James, would it be funny if we made jokes about your, your brother and sister, if you've got any? But your parents would be great ones to, to take the mickey out of, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be great? No, of course it wouldn't, James. Perhaps you might think next time you sort of, you uncork that cheap bottle of wine and neck it. Perhaps that's, that's why the thing is. In fact, even... There's a, there's a big feature in the... Apart from all the drunks in Newcastle. My God, they're ugly up there, aren't they? I didn't realise. Even the police inspector who's done this. This is uh, Superintendent James Tozer. He said he's actually wearing a fluorescent jacket and a fleece underneath. He said, don't these people catch cold? No. Well, they're tarts. They don't have any... I mean, you know, you, you don't go out and expect to see somebody in a coat in Newcastle. That's the whole idea. That's why they are... They're, they're the lower end of the scale. You know, when we were in Blackpool, it was freezing cold in the middle of winter, and people are walking around in little tiny skirts. I mean, there was a girl walking across Piccadilly Circus earlier on, and uh, I don't know what sort of girl she was, but she had bleach blonde hair extensions, a very small micro gold skirt on, and was being escorted across the road by three, let's call them low-life blokes, who quite clearly were onto a good thing. And you think, you go out dressed like that, you kind of expect it when people have had a few drinks. But Jackie Clune, writing in the paper today, says, these bullies reek of misogyny. If we don't confront their revolting sneers, they'll get worse. Now, Jackie Clune has been on some of these panel shows. She's been there where people are doing it, and she says here, uh, Corden made a viciously unpleasant sexual remark about Britain's Got Talent, Susan Boyle, and when it grew gasps from the audience, he repeated it. Because he's a drunk. Oh, I tell you, I can't wait to do jokes about your parents. Let's find out some things about your parents, James, this morning. Because it's not pleasant, is it? His team partner, the former celebrity Big Brother host Jack Whitehall, weighed in with a puerile one-liner about the supposed cause of Prince Philip's urinary tract infection during Jubilee Week. That's how drunk they were. What an embarrassment. Public apology, think, or sack the producer who even put the thing together. What were they thinking? What were they th- Perhaps this is funny. I'll tell you what, let's find out who the, who the producer's parents are. Let's take the mickey out of them, shall we? That'd be funny, wouldn't it? I had to check a programme the other night. I did watch a programme on the television. When was it? Oh, we were drawn to it the other day. Somebody wrote in and said, have you seen so-and-so's programme on the television? And I have to be honest, I hadn't. I wasn't even aware that it was on. And, and so I watched it, and I thought the presenter was drunk. I thought the, the presenter was drunk. They were slurring. So, and you think, are they drunk? When was, the, when, when the, when was this done? And so I'm trying to find out from a friend of mine who works for, the, uh, for, for one of the TV companies, and I'm going to find out exactly where, where this one's going, because it's quite, quite an interesting thing. And we all said exactly the same. In the office, we all watched it went, he's drunk. He's drunk. 
So I'm going to find out. I won't tell you who it is, just in case they've developed a speech impediment and they weren't drunk at all. I like to be sort of very careful and things like that. Quarter past four. This is LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Call 0845 6060 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 84850, steve at uk. We take all your texts and emails onto the programme. So I'll just quickly close that one. Oh, blimey, what's that done? Don't know what that's done at all. Wait a minute, have we gone the right way? I was, I've got, every time, I've, I had a clear out of my mailbox this morning, just before I started the programme, because you end up with thousands and thousands and thousands of emails. So I cleared out about uh, 3,000 emails this morning from yesterday. And, and I just, and I had to, so I brought it down now. And now, apparently, I've got 757, which is ironic, because I thought I'd actually cleared all... Whenever you have to clear them all over the place? Wait a minute, let's do that on there. And empty. Do you want to permanent delete all those in the junk mail? Yes, they've gone. And on my inbox, I thought I'd actually got it down to about 200. I seem to have crept up again now. Slightly worrying, isn't it? Slightly worrying. At least we got the papers. Yesterday, of course, we didn't have the papers, because they couldn't actually get them into the square... Which is, which is a great shame. So we actually managed yesterday to do a whole programme without actually having a newspaper. And it actually worked quite well. I suddenly realised that it, it, there is a life outside of the newspapers. Unfortunately, it's, it's not for me all the time. I do like reading the papers. I love picking up the papers in the morning. I love going through them. I don't, mostly it's the same old tosh that you were reading two days ago, I'm afraid. The only thing that's interesting is that uh, still the row rumbles on between Jennifer, well-known has-been Metcalf. Now, you remember her. She was in Hollyoaks, but uh, she's so bad at it, she's having to start to do reality shows. So she did the Dancing on Ice. The bloke she partnered in Dancing on Ice and her started having an affair. Uh, They lived together. She's now kicked him out, uh, presumably her house. Perhaps she moved him in. I don't know how how much money all these ice skating trainers get. And so, because he took up with that Samir Gardia, who's going into the Dancing on Ice programme, and she's a bit of a floozy. So she's going out with him already, and consequently it now means that Jennifer Metcalf, who is going into the Splash programme, you know, the Tom Daly diving thing, hosted by the dreadfully inept um, Vernon Kay and Gabby Logan, who can't dive for toffee. I mean, two presenters on a programme like that. Sounds like a pile of pants already, but I'm prepared to err on the side of caution. I've seen some of the people in it. I've never heard of them. I've never heard of them. Seriously, there was some bloke, I'll, I'll give you some of the names in a minute. Oh, you'll never have heard of these people in a million years. So they're learning to dive, and, and they've got uh, this girl, Jessica Metcalf, from Hollyoaks, in the dive programme, and she said, because she's got tickets, apparently, on Saturday for the Dancing on Ice, she's going to turn up. Like, anybody gives a stuff. Who cares? Who cares whether you turn up, darling, and sit there in the audience looking like the last plum in the fruit shop? Nobody's going to care about you. Nobody's going to worry about you. You're going to sit there. What are you going to do? Boo him when he comes on? They'll kick you out the studio, love. They'll kick you out the studio. Perhaps he should sit there, or perhaps the moment he starts dancing with Samia, perhaps he should put his arms around and give her a real big wet sloppy kiss. That would really annoy you, wouldn't it? I love these people. They go out, and then they, a friend, apparently, of, Je- of, uh, of Jennifer Metcalf, Jessica Metcalf, Janet, whatever she is, uh, said, apparently she's in bits. I thought, well, Good. You know, grow up, get over yourself. You're not five years old, for God's sake, although mentally I suppose you could be. Uh, is Mark... Oh, dear. Oh, that's nice. Mark the bailiff says, I asked my governor if I can have the rest of the week off, and he said yes. Is that the same as being fired? 
You know, I remember somebody, I can't tell you who it was because it's too identifiable, who was working on a radio station and they had a new boss come in. And, uh, you know, you do the usual thing when the new boss comes in, you sort of, hello. Anyway, he went up to him, I think, halfway through the day, and he said, um, is, he says, is, is, is it possible to have a, a week off next, next Monday? And the boss went, um, yes, because you're on holiday permanently from next Monday. And he went, oh, right. And then there was another famous boss, very famous radio boss. And when he went into this radio station, he laid all the presenters' contracts out on the table, and he said, anybody not want to work? Take your contract and walk now. Became quite harsh. Whew, gosh, I've never had that. Everything like that. I've always gone in, always given a big smile, sometimes a wet, sloppy kiss. You know, sometimes that works. You know, sometimes we hold hands and skip. Not always, but sometimes. You know, if, if I think it's going to work. <laughs> you don't find me being like Crystal over there in America, marrying Hugh Hefner. Uh, she's, I don't know how old she is, actually. It's a bit difficult. She's 26, but she looks like one of those sort of Barbie kind of things that would hang around at the Playboy Mansion. Anyway, she obviously couldn't get anything better. And so she's married Hugh Hefner, 86. Must be like trying to raise the Titanic, ladies and gentlemen, I should imagine. He's 86. Sex lasted two seconds. She said it was very briefly. She said it was all over. She, and I was like, ah, I was over it. I just walked away. I'm not turned on by Hef. Sorry. So he gave her an engagement ring worth $90,000. So she flogged it. She got less than half. And, now, and then she suddenly realised, better, better to be Mrs. Mrs. Hugh Hefner than be... Nobody. That brainless bimbo who flogged a wedding ring. I mean, it's all a bit sad. 300 guests got a bit let down. Well, go do it, she went. If you've seen her being interviewed on the television, she is absolutely typical of those brainless models, sort of model. They're not actually models. They're kind of... That's what they, 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 they put themselves down as on the passport. What do you do? Model. I've got nothing on my passport at all. Nothing at all. I used to like it when they used to get stamped in different countries. They don't even seem to do that now. It's all very, all very disturbing, I'm afraid. Uh, one here, somebody listening to us in Sri Lanka. I was saying to a friend of mine in radio earlier on, I said, it's amazing we get people listening all around the world. You know why? Because you flip on the radio and you're, sort of, you're wandering through, aren't you? And you've got this, um, and that was Mantovani. And the time now in London. They've all got very soft, soporific voices, which you can nod off to. I've nearly crashed the car on three occasions. And if you turn on the radio and you think, blimey. In fact, I was talking to somebody from one of our sister stations. She came out specifically this morning and she said to me, I love listening to your programme. I love listening to your programme. She said, sometimes she says, I have to race down, down into the garage to pick up my thing to get out so, so I can listen to you in, in the, you know, when she's listening downstairs as well. She said, and I get home and I listen. She said, and the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, I can't believe what he's saying. I can't believe it. She said, now she's addicted to it. She loved the piece about turkeys the other day. And it's quite nice when people listen in the... Uh, in the, uh, in the business, you know, with people listening in the business. Because I'm not a radio person, strangely enough. I don't listen to radio. I, abs- um, I listen to it in, in, the, in the bath. I listen in the bath, and that's just about it, I'm afraid. I just don't... It just doesn't... I don't know. I can't get excited about radio. I watch people working in radio, and I've, I went and had a look at one of our sister stations. I'd never been in there before. I'd seen them through the window, and I went in and had a look round. It's quite... It's really impressive. I mean, our, our little studio... Paul says, the other day, he said, were you having a senior moment when you said that you don't drive your desk? And then you talked about putting the calls up. That's completely different. I don't, I don't drive a desk. I've never driven a desk in my life. What we've got in the studio, which you've probably seen on YouTube, you can see the, the desk that I've got here, and it's got four faders on it, but I'm not controlling anything. If, if I were to take a caller or something, <laughs> whatever, yeah, heaven forbid, you know, then I have the ability to, uh, to take control of it and bring the caller up or bring them down, but I don't, I don't touch this. The only thing I use on this board is uh, the monitor volume and the headphone volume, and that's it. I, d- I don't drive. I don't drive at all. 
So, uh, no, it, was quite, it wasn't a senior moment, Paul. I absolutely do not drive a desk. If you look next door... In fact, if you look on the... I think it's on YouTube, and there's a thing about Steve Allen and the LBC studio. We did it on a, one of those flip um, things, this little video, which was brilliant. And so we showed you what it looked like the other side, where they're driving it. But all the other radio stations, it looks like you're driving Concord. It's got this huge flashing lights and everything. All we've got is white lights in the ceiling. Gary downstairs... So I always give him a quick wave, because every time the red light comes on, I know that he's down there. The trouble is, it's no good him waving back, because I can't see anything. But down in our reception, we've got this huge um, screen wall. And so people standing in reception, it flips around every so often. It goes around the different radio stations. You can watch everybody on air. But it does spend a lot of time on LBC. So there's a lot of time. Mainly because we are, we are the most attractive people here. You know, I mean, not at this particular time of the morning, but the rest of the day, they're very, very attractive people. Uh, stop it with the James Corden lambast. He's not a favourite of mine, but I found him funny before they drank the wine, and then just bores. I would have said all the blame laid at the editorial door. Yes, the producer absolutely should be fired immediately for putting that piece... And also, it, it should go higher. It should go higher. Unfortunately, I think you've kind of crossed... You've kind of crossed the boundary, I think. Once you start making sexual references about the royal family, I'm afraid you've, you've, you've crossed over. You've cro- but the trouble is, James Corden's so thick, he doesn't care. Why should he give us stuff? People go, oh, you're a big star, aren't you? And I think, you're just a foul-mouthed, fat drunk, mate. Let's make jokes about your wife, shall we? That'd, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Let's pick on her for a change. No, you don't do it. You don't do it. It's, it's just terrible, really. Uh, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. And uh, William says, even the Russian TV had an item on party time in Newcastle, the most popular venue for stag and hen nights in Europe. These people are not all locals. Oh, these ones are. It's 100 miles north to Edinburgh, 100 miles south to Leeds. They come in droves from Scandinavia and Ireland. No, these are, these are Leeds birds. You can tell them straight away. Face down in the gutter in a pile of sick. He says the locals are quite posh. You are joking. <laughs> oh, blimey. Yeah, I've been to Newcastle, mate. A friend of mine ended up in a fish and chip shop. He said, you've never seen such a bunch of chavs in your life. Uh, 84850, uk. Somebody here from a call centre says, can you explain to my colleagues what a tart is? It's you, Harry. You're a tart. OK, there you go. Explain that to them. Explain what you get up to in your private life. Go on, tell them. Dare you. Stand up on the desk, tell them. My name is Harry. I'm a tart. Off you go. Go on. Try and be big and brave. Uh, what is that? There's a woman here. It's always stories in the papers about people who've spent money making themselves look good. And I was very lucky before Christmas to be given something by Susan Bookbinder that I shall treasure for all eternity. It's something to make you look younger. No, it's not a bin liner or anything like that. She gave me this... It's, it's like a pen with liquid in it. I mean, to be honest with you, it could be cyanide. I've got no idea. And so she gave me this thing, and I, I hadn't actually looked at it until last night... And I, and I looked at it, and I took it out of the package, but the writing is so small. And apparently what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to wipe it just underneath your eye, and then, then it, it dries, and it makes you look eternally youthful and young. So I didn't have a, This morning, I completely forgot to do it, so I'm going to get home today, just in case. I don't want to sort of mess it up and walk in here looking about 15 tomorrow, so I'm going to make sure I get it right and try and look a little bit better, because it's, it is the ageing process. So this woman has spent £5,000... And, they, and, they, and they've got a picture of her at 32, and a picture of her age 42, and then a picture of her two months later. And to be honest with you, all they've done is they've taken a picture of this woman, who's quite attractive anyway, but they've taken all her makeup off, they've pushed her ears out, so it makes her look a little bit like that, a little bit sort of, you know, not very attractive. And all they've done here is they've just made her open her mouth wider, they've given her some nice thing, and they've done her hair differently. That's all they've done, and she's been airbrushed. 
But talking of airbrushing, there is a fabulous story in one of the papers. And I think it's either in the sun or the mirror. And it's the reason, and it's the story that we've been doing for donkey's years. I mean, every year I do it, and every year you let me down. Hopefully not this year. It's the reason why you should never, ever buy a fitness DVD. You should never, ever buy a fitness DVD. Not even from somebody like Nell McAndrew. Because Nell McAndrew has been fit for donkey's years. You know, she hasn't just walked out and gone, oh, I think I'll release a DVD. She's worked, she's run marathons, she is fit. Don't ever waste your money buying a DVD from these people. It's as, it's, it's as bad as buying a quack piece of medicine from a charlatan. Somebody saying, if you drink this, oh, it'll put hair on a coconut, this stuff. This is fantastic. This is, this'll bring your libido back. This'll do, it's rubbish. You're being sold a pack of lies. You're being sold an empty dream. You will sit in front of the television and you will look at Nell McAndrew, who will make it look so effortless because she's so super fit. She's run God knows how many marathons. She runs every day. She cycles every day. She has a trainer and she's decided, because she hasn't worked for donkey's years. I mean, nobody really knows what she does. She just runs marathons. Uh, for about 150 to 200,000 quid to bring out a fitness DVD aimed this time at mums who are expecting. Don't be ripped off, mums. Do not waste your money. You'll put this DVD on, you'll stand in front of it, and you think you're going to look like Nell McAndrew. You will after about 20 years, OK? So here's Uncle Steve being very kind this morning and offering you advice. Don't waste your money. It's quack medicine. You're never going to... You're always going to be fat, all right? Just accept the fact you are a fat blob, you're deeply unattractive, and nobody really cares about you, all right? Don't go and waste your money on a DVD by Nell McAndrew. Please, God, or Josie Gibson, and I'll tell you about that one after the news, which is next, because it's 4.30. Certainly is, and you know, I've got no idea what today is. I've got no idea. I remember saying, when we went upstairs after the programme yesterday, uh, one of the lovely girls on the news desk... Oh, God, that's a patronising statement, isn't it? One of the lovely girls. OK, one of the uh, deeply, deeply attractive girls on the news desk. They're all attractive, just in varying forms. And uh, she said, it's Wednesday today, Steve. And I went, no, it's Tuesday. And she went, you're kidding me. She seriously thought it was Wednesday. I said, no, it's definitely Tuesday. I said, tomorrow's Wednesday, which is today. And she said, are you sure? And she had to get a piece of paper out to have a look at it. I said, no, definitely today's Wednesday. It's going to be a funny week this week. You should, in theory, you should, in theory, all be back to work today. You should, in theory, be gearing yourself up. A friend of mine phoned me yesterday. She went, hello. I thought, oh, it's one of those phone calls. So I always settle myself back with a large gin, you know, waiting in anticipation. And uh, and she said, I've lost my voice. And I went, oh, no. (laughs) Because I've lost my voice before now. And it wasn't pleasant. Yesterday, Petri. Was, uh, was not feeling too good. She had the, the throat problem, so I recommended the turmeric again. Because I'm a bit like a guru around here, a little, little bit like a doctor. Although all I'm doing is passing on other people's advice, which tends to work most of the time. So the turmeric and the honey we tried yesterday, and I think that worked for Petri. Because she had this cough, and I said, oh, you've got to try it. So I made her one. I actually made, I'm that good. I made her the drink, and she was very grateful. I said, just sip it, and that should do you well. So, uh, so if you're feeling a little bit jaded this morning, it's probably because you went out and celebrated on New Year's Eve and you're still suffering. There were still people out in Leicester Square this morning. It was a bit buzzy out there. A lot of people sort of milling around. You think, don't they have jobs to go to? And you look at them and you think, no, you're probably drug dealers or something like that. Aren't they? they don't really have jobs, do they? Every day is a job, you know, every day. How many raps do you want? How many? That's all it is around London. Everybody in, in clubs. They, they arrested some people the other day. It was on one of those police cop things where they go out and pick up drunks. And this was two Polish girls because the staff... I mean, this was really... I thought this was really good, actually. But you might not think so. But the staff in this club in... Wherever it was, it might have been Coventry, had... Uh, one of them had been into the toilet and they'd heard these girls sniffing in the toilet. And generally, if somebody's going... 
in the toilet, they're generally sniffing drugs. And so they called the police because they have zero tolerance in this club. Zero tolerance completely. And the police went round there and they arrested the girls and they found them with two, I think they call them wraps, on them. And they had them, and of course, one, personal use. Two, they do you for dealing. They do you for dealing if you've got two. And so they were done for dealing. They obviously thought perhaps you'd come over to Britain and you could just take drugs and we're very lax with it. No, we're not. No, we're not, I'm afraid. Philip says, how big is your studio? Bigger than the last one? Um, actually, probably much of a muchness. Just we were round the other way. When I say round the other way, if you look at this on YouTube, this studio, where I'm sitting now, I, w- I would have been sitting over on the right-hand side in, in, in Bramley Road, and the, uh, the controller would be through there. But when I went into one of our other sister stations earlier on, they've got two huge studios. I thought I was looking in a mirror, and it's absolutely two huge studios. And we've, we've got sort of one, but then you can use the control room as a studio as well, and then there's a small booth to one side. So you've got that. Uh, Here's a lovely picture of Kim Kardashian. What a dull woman. Dull woman gets pregnant with Kanye West, who's getting fatter by the minute. Strange, actually, she'd have thought she'd have been getting fatter being pregnant, but no, he's getting fatter. Uh, Jennifer Metcalf, plotting revenge, as I say, for the Dancing on Ice programme. Uh, Jennifer, just get on with your own programme. Accept the fact you've been dumped, okay, by an ice skating. And a friend says, uh, now it's all changed. She was hoping to go and cheer him along and give him support. But now it's changed. Can you imagine how uncomfortable Samir Gardia would feel if she kept seeing Jen in the audience? Why would she feel uncomfortable? In fact, if anything, every time I pass Jess, I'd be going, got your boyfriend. <laughs> got your boyfriend. He dumped you. You know, so, so in fact, the only person it's making look stupid is Jennifer Metcalf. Samir Gardia, I mean, pfft. Ulrika Johnson isn't a big fan of Piers Morgan. And says, uh, keep him America, we don't want him over here. Was Ulrika Johnson done by Piers Morgan? Did he do on his chat show? Did she go on? Oh, right, so he's obviously not a fan. Obviously not a fan, which is quite interesting. Mind you, he's a bit Marmite, isn't he, Piers Morgan? You know, as, as an editor, he, he now embraces celebrity. He embraces celebrity CNN shows, pants. Absolute pants, I'm afraid. Uh, uh, oh, crikey. They've had, a, they've had a look here at all the, the fast food chains... And apparently a lot of them have been caught out here. Or, and really well-known ones. Wimpy, South Croydon, uh, Dixie Chicken in Hanley. Dixie Chicken. What the heck's that? Café Rouge on the South Bank. Mouse droppings found on a shelf used to store chopping boards. And it received a zero rating. They saw a food handler washing his hands while holding raw eggs. An ice-making machine was being kept in the restaurant changing rooms. And a food tong was stored in a wash basin. There were dirty cloths in direct contact. I mean, they say the level of food hygiene awareness among staff was inadequate. Well, the trouble is they just bring people in. So, do you want to be a waitress? Yeah, OK. And generally speaking, the staff in the kitchen, they're filthy, the kitchens. Go and have a look at the kitchens. Some of these, you'd be horrified where your food comes from. Horrified. Pizza Hut. Dead insects and dodgy kitchen equipment. It was given the lowest rating. This is the one at Erith in Kent. They found an electric insect killer crammed with dead bugs a refrigerator for pizza toppings was found to be failing to keep the ingredients cool and uh, again it was found not clean 17 items found to be not clean including surfaces racking the wash basin fridges freezers the pizza oven the probe thermometer disgusting filthy it's the people who work in them it's the people who work in them who are the filthy people you know you get things there because they don't bother to clean they don't bother to do anything at all they're absolutely filthy, disgusting people. There's one here, a top gangster left just 21,000 quid. Charlie Richardson, crime didn't pay, they say. The torture gang boss, dead. 
Apparently, it's thought to have earned millions. He specialised in fraud, protection and gambling rackets. Died without leaving a will and uh, had only a fraction of his former fortune left. 21,000, good Lord. He escaped from an open prison, then arrested. His second wife, Veronica, has been left the estate. Hardly worth bothering with 21 grand, is it? You'd have to pay that in death duties, I should imagine. But apparently he used to use electric cables attached to his enemy's genitals. Lovely man, isn't he? So he'll, he'll not be sitting with the Almighty on a cloud upstairs, will he? He'll be down there warming his hands and toasting his little mushrooms, I should imagine. Also, the paper today, Roman Abramovich had a party. He can't have spoken to anybody. He can't have spoken to anybody. He doesn't, doesn't really know anybody. It's all the girlfriend, doesn't it, who knows the people and knows how to throw proper parties. Uh, and then we've got... Um, Oh, dear. Oh, look, Kelly Brook. Really a, day, really a day goes by, ladies and gentlemen, without us opening up the newspapers to see a lovely picture of the delightful but extremely dim Kelly Brook. Uh, this time wearing a, a fur, but it's only fake fur, and she was out here, they say, uh, partying in London's posh Mayfair. I mean, it always makes me laugh. Do you think people in Newcastle, hello, um, they go, oh, posh Mayfair. No, it's not. Full of prostitutes, Mayfair. Full of prostitutes. You can't move for red lights in Mayfair. Every little doorway conceals another old hooker. And they go, oh, it's very posh, Mayfair. Might have been donkeys years ago, but it was so many years ago now. It's just another area of London. But it does have more than its fair share of streetwalkers. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So it makes me, it makes me laugh when they go posh, Mayfair. It's like they used to go Paris Hilton, the heiress to the Hilton fortune. I used to go, no, she's not. Her old man's in a state age. <laughs> She's not heiress to anything at all. They already sold the chain on ages ago. Uh, TV doctor Christian Jensen has told of his torment by cyber bullies who are trying to destroy him with vile sex slurs. Luckily, Channel 4 saw through it. And uh, so I think they've actually... I think a couple of... Bit- he said at one time he was accused of falsely selling drugs. But there again, you see, you do get the internet trolls, don't you? Or trolls, apparently. And they are, they are generally people who are a bit mentally ill. They can't help it. It's not their fault. They don't, they don't know they're mentally ill. And they just, because they haven't got any friends and they're lonely, they write stuff like that. They see somebody on television and they're jealous of them. You know, as he said, it could be a, another old puff out there somewhere who's just sort of writing about him because they're jealous. Perhaps he turned somebody down years and years ago because he's very happily in a relationship and not, not remotely interested. But he says he's been plagued by these problems for two years. He said, I don't know if it's one person who I've offended or others who are out to get me. No, it'll be one person. But generally speaking, they're so mentally ill, they'll write under lots and lots of different names. When they've, when they've been round to these people's houses and they've checked their, their computer, they've generally got about 30 different names. 30, it's so easy to spot them because it's the same computer it always comes in on. Uh, Malcolm says, please, you've been looking after Petri, lovely woman. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and uh, one here says, I work for a large food distribution company delivering into lots of kitchens. Many are not clean pubs. Are normally really, really bad, but one company which you could eat your lunch off the floor is Pret-a-Manger. There you go. We've just got a new one open around here. I just opened a little Pret around here. But again, it, it, isn't, the, uh, it isn't the place, it's the staff that make it dirty. You know, it's, it's like I can't bear mess in the studio. So when we started the programme this morning, it was fil- Ollie left it filthy in here. I'm not beating around the bush here. I'm, I get really, really angry about people who do not tidy up. It's just slovenly, sloppy and bad manners. It's just... Can you imagine if Nick Ferrari walks into this studio and I've just thrown everything all over the place? You know, there's no excuse for it. It's like people who live in filth at home, stuff like people who don't do the washing up. I remember going round to somebody's house years and years ago, for one of my contributors from, from a long time ago, and there was like three weeks washing up in the sink. I've never seen so much. And he said, I'll just wash a cup up. He said, it's all right. I'll go without. (laughs) (coughs) 
I'm not too sure whether I would have survived. Uh, see what's coming in on uh, Twitter. Actually, a, a friend of mine came up on Twitter the other day, and uh, he's a ventriloquist. And he had, he had sent me a, a thing, and he's in pantomime, and I'll find the blooming thing in a minute, because he was obviously listening into the programme, and he said, uh, just to remind you, I came into LBC uh, in 1997... I can't remember that last week, Thursday, so there's no point in asking here. And somebody else has got a... Lots of people telling me about your iPad minis, which, you know, you absolutely love, the iPad mini. I love mine. The only tr- I don't have it on a contract. I'm just linked into LBC's, whatever they call it, Wiffy. And I've got it at home as well, which is quite good. Uh, I've got so many of these texts and uh, emails. So many texts and emails. Thank you for downloading the programme, incidentally. Oh, that's right. It's Steve Hewlett. Steve Hewlett is a very good ventriloquist. He's in Panto in High Wycombe. I'll tell you who he's with. I've just remembered. He's with Craig Revell Horwood and Anne Widdicombe. Biggest joke of the century. When I say big, I mean fat, OK? Because she went on Celebrity Fit Club to try and lose weight. And uh, it didn't work, I'm afraid. So they've got Widdy, who plays... I can't remember what she is. But uh, Steve Hewlett's in that as well. So there you go. Uh, 84850... Steve at LBC. Whatever one says about those silly youngsters binge drinking in Tyneside, at least they're not killing each other because of their postal addresses or detonating bombs, says Jennifer. Yes, but what they're doing, Jennifer, is they're wasting the NHS's time. You know, the NHS have to go out, as we discovered yesterday on the programme, and pick up the pieces for these sad drunks. They have to go and pick them up and then, you know, it might be a relative of yours, Jennifer, next time round, who's there sort of desperately having a heart attack and they say, well, I'm terribly sorry, we're just dealing with about 30 drunks out on the street, so if you can wait... You'd be the first one up there, wouldn't you, waving your little banner? It's got nothing to do. You cannot equate people binge drinking and wasting the NHS's time with people who kill people or, or bomb things. I mean, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. Uh, 84850, uh Oh, yes, there was, I was trying to find this thing, wasn't I? This was one of the uh, columnists today talking about don't buy these fitness DVDs. Don't buy Josie Gibson's DVD. I said she looks awful in it. Absolutely dreadful. And then, strangely enough, boy's own hunk Shane Lynch has revealed he left school unable to read or write and has battled literacy, illiteracy for most of his life. A new documentary tells how his two daughters helped him conquer his fears. Now, of course, they shove everything on the television, don't they? Every single thing on the television. Wait a minute. Well, I used to limp when I was young. We'll make a television programme about that. Steve Allen used to limp. Why was that? I don't know. I just developed a limp. And I started limping, so we'll do a programme on it. So now they do programmes about illiteracy, because apparently it's supposed to mean something to you if you're illiterate, which is a load of old cobblers, isn't it, really, when you think about it? It's like looking at a fat person on television. You go, you're fat. You know why? Because you overeat, unless it's a thyroid problem. But the majority of time it's overeating, and the reason it's overeating is because our high streets are proliferated with rubbish food. You can go round Leicester Square. I can pick out the rubbish places. Rubbish places all down here. You know, the chickens and the burgers... And all the, you know, all the disgusting stuff. That's why you're fat. It's because you binge on stuff like that. Kebabs. Ugh, disgusting things. Disgusting. Meat that turns around with the fat that oozes out of it. Oh, goodness me. Dreadful. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, star John Partridge wants soap bosses to bring more hot new gays to fly the pink flag in his absence. He's pitched up on a few programmes over, over Christmas. Oh, there you go. It's Jake Canuso. There you go. Jake Canuso. That's one of the big names that's taking part in the diving programme. Jake Canuso. Exactly. Who the heck is Jake Canuso? He's nobody. He's nobody at all. He was in... He was in Benidorm, apparently. Pfft, sorry, pal. We've got no idea. 
No idea. Perhaps this'll sort of bring it... And you know the other one who's doing it? Well-known girl about town, Jenny Faulkner. Jenny Faulkner, whose career started on Blind Date, because she was a bit desperate to try and be noticed. She's, uh, she's not much cop on television. But uh, she says she's not body confident, but of course, because she's had a baby, a baby, and uh, but she's going to be diving because it's the only work that's on the book. And also Helen Lederer is going to be doing it as well. But we're going to be seeing Tom Daly and who's the other one? Jade Ewan. Jade Ewan. Go on. I dare you to go for Jade Ewan. Who's that? Who's Jade Ewan? Jade Ewan. No, producer. Not a clue. Apparently, apparently, she's, um, she's, um... She's an ex-sugar babe. <laughs> Never heard of you, love. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, we're really up to speed on that one. And that's some of the big names, ladies and gentlemen. Gabby Logan won't be trying any of the dives on Splashes. She fears heights. I know how she feels. But she's co-hosting with Vernon Kay. Perhaps she can keep him in order, because he's one of the worst presenters on television, I'm afraid. Together with that uh, bird brain of a wife. Not my words, of course. Somebody who works for the BBC is in a much better position to commentate on it. 13 minutes to five. LBC 97.3 with Steve Allen. Morning. Oh, back to work day. You don't really want to go back to work, do you? You really don't. But you've had so much time off over, over Christmas and the new year. We've all worked. All right, we get paid for it. I never complain about working over the festive season because I think it's great because I can manage to combine everything. I can manage to combine family, friends and work because of the time I work. If I was middle of the afternoon, it would be a little bit difficult. But because we do early mornings, I was talking to another friend of mine in radio and we were talking about the hours we work. And I said, it's great. I said, I can actually get home and be putting my feet up with a piece of toast watching the television while everybody else is just probably going into the shower to go out to work. I mean, I love that. I absolutely love that. I love the idea that I'm, I'm getting on the train going out of Waterloo, whereas all the trains coming in are full of people, and you don't want to go to work today. You'll be thinking of excuses of how, how you can get the rest of the week off. You know, like, <clears throat> I can't come in today. I'm not, not, not very well. I've got this norovirus thing. People will be using all sorts of excuses, won't they? They'll be coming up with everything. I read my stars. I read my Russell Grant stars. Never like to miss on my Russell Grant stars. We do love him dearly. And uh, apparently it's going to be... On one of them, it said I've got to look after my feet this year. I thought, they must know I'm a diabetic. They must know I'm a diabetic, because we have to look after our feet all the time. John Bishop scored a bit of a hit on the television. He got seven million viewers after midnight on New Year's Day. <clears throat> I can't see it. I really don't see it. I don't see him as being funny or anything at all. Just just doesn't do it for me. Perhaps it's northern humour, I don't know. Not sure about that. It's very strange. Uh, somebody was, oh, more, more pictures of the New Year boozed-up patients stretching A&E and the 999 services. As we said yesterday to the ambulance service, and they said to us, what it does is people phone up because they're drunk, and it means we have to go, <clears throat> have to go out there. We don't necessarily send them to hospital in an ambulance, but if we do, it then doesn't free it up for somebody who might be a lot more serious, somebody who's suffering a heart attack, cardiac arrest, could be anything like that. And uh, unfortunately, if you, if you phone up and they go, well, I'm terribly sorry, but we don't have any ambulances, we're dealing with all the drunks in Newcastle and Swansea and Birmingham and London. It was horrible round here yesterday. I mean, everybody, we were all saying, Jess, my, my producer yesterday, was saying... It was absolutely awful. I've never seen so many drunks. You know, people being... It's just horrible. There's no fun in it, is there? Whereas if you get drunk at home, it's fun. Well, it always appears to be fun. But, you know, out on the streets, I don't want to get home. It's all I'd be thinking was, there's no point in getting drunk in town because you want to, 
you want to get home again. Different if you're staying in a hotel or you're round at friends, then that, that's not too bad. They always say, listen, we've got a spare bedroom, we can crash there. But I've never ever done that in my life. I've only ever once been drunk in town and it was horrible. Shan't be doing that ever again. It was about 19... Well, it doesn't matter, it was a long time ago. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here, and this is very quick. Let's try and get through uh, through some of these. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. We read them all out on the programme. And uh, on the subject of Dixie Chicken, apparently it's like KFC. Matthew says, I didn't think Wimpy was still around. Of course it is. Wimpy won't go away. I've got one in Twickenham. I've one there for, for ages. Uh, Val says... My friends at work were talking about the big fat quiz before we all saw the Daily Mail. The first thing I did was check in the TV mag to see if it was going to be repeated. Sure enough, as Channel 5 regularly survive on repeats, the repeats is this Friday if they show it. Will you watch it out of curiosity for journalistic purposes? No. No. I know what they've said. I'm not a fan of James Corden anyway. I'm really not. It's just, you know, some people, when they're drunk, when you get these television programmes and the language has, has deteriorated quite quickly, quite quickly, uh, so... I don't, I don't bother with things like that. If I, if I watch something for purposes... I mean, the other morning I did watch the Peter Andre programme and we did decide it was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my entire life. You know, how his sad, his sad little life gets made into a TV programme, I don't know. And then he complains about the way the press treats him because he's, he's a bit needy, Peter Andre. He's, he's, we know he's 41, but he's really about 15. You know, he, he, he can't believe that people say nasty things about him because he thinks he's all wonderful. But it's this it's constant parading of the children on television it's just not healthy for any of them you know now his little boy thinks he's a celebrity because daddy's taught him that because daddy plays the celebrity part daddy goes out to nightclubs daddy you know when he's having a night off he goes out to a nightclub you think he want to stay in with his girlfriend and have a quiet dinner and put their feet up and watch television oh no he's got to be seen to be doing something i mean he's pushing 50 it's ridiculous an old man of his age ridiculous. I mean, soon they, they must be dropping the programme. There can't be much else. He's, he's flogged his coffee bar to you. He's flogged his children to you. There can't be much left, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Uh, Mark says, do the celebs you criticise ever try to take legal action? Over what? You see, you have to think about... Before you write something as stupid as that, Mark, you have to think to yourself logically, why would they take legal action? What, because you've said somebody's dim? How is that? That's not legal action. Otherwise, I'd have been sued donkeys years ago. No, anybody who actively seeks publicity and purports themselves in such a way on the television, to, to take legal action, you would have to prove that what had been said about them was detrimental to their career. Well, as James Corden has spent a fair amount of his career drunk, I think you'd be hard-pushed to make that one stand up in court. Would it be absolutely blatantly filthy? Yes. No, nothing to argue. Is Jordan talentless? Yes. No, no, there's no... There's a no brainer. You don't need to justify any of these things at all. The reason these people don't sue is because there's no grounds to sue. If there was ground, you know, if I said that, you know, you know, a certain celebrity, you know, I don't know, just, you know, make something up, up off the top of your head, whatever it was that you could make up, you can't make things up about people. That's why people would sue. So when, when somebody says something about somebody, they go, well, that didn't happen. So then they would sue. But normal, it's called fair comment. The argument would be, have you heard this programme before? This is what we do. That's what we do. We bring people down to size. We bring people down. We say all exactly the same things that you say. I couldn't care less whether there's one or two of you out there and we have only found one this morning who likes James Corden. 99% of you can't stand the fat drunk. You know, as I said before, he's allowed to make jokes about the royal family. And I mean, not just jokes. You know, not just jokes. This is just utter filth about the royal family. 
And they never answer back. They're, they're, they have to be too dignified. I did see a good documentary the other day on the television, and it involved Prince William, and uh, we had to put up with one of uh, Prince Andrew's ghastly children. I can't bear them. I can't bear them. Eugenie and the other one, otherwise known as the two ugly sisters in Cinderella. There they are. One who looks like the horse, and the other one. And then Princess Anne was on there as well. Still with the same hairstyle from about 500 years ago. It looks like somebody stuck a cottage loaf on her head, doesn't it, really? And so Prince William, and, and then pictures of the Queen. And it was quite nice to see the Queen with her grandchildren, everybody talking. Then we had to put up with Prince Andrew. That was a bit of a dull, boring bit. But uh, the other bit, mostly it was seemed to be Prince William talking about Granny. And Granny seems to... And he said, if only everybody could be like her. And I'm thinking, but you're not in the real world, are you? You're, you know, you've grown up in this fantastically privileged life. Any children that you have... You know, girls, boys, whatever they turn out to be. Please God, it's gay. Um, is the kind of thing that, you know, they're going to grow up in palaces. The royal family has changed. It's had to change. They brought themselves in, in line. Most of them. The Queen, unfortunately, still remembers it when it was completely different. Completely different. When there would be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people to watch them going into church at Sandringham. Now it's a handful of people and a few scrubby-looking children who've wandered in from a local site, you know, with flowers in their hand, so they can get their picture on the television or in the newspapers. You know, it's, it's a different sort of reverence. I mean, there's no denying in anybody's mind that the Queen is very hard work. She's 86, for goodness sake. And she still maintains dignity. They did show the bit on television where the country said, come on, ma'am, you better get down here after Diana died. There's no point in just sort of shutting off and saying, well, we don't do things like that. If you remember, didn't cry for Diana's death, but cried when the Royal Yacht Britannia went. You know, cried when a, when a dog dies. They don't, they don't cry for people anymore. It's all very odd. You'd think that the boys would be weeping uncontrollably, wouldn't you? Walking behind Diana's coffin. It's your mum's coffin. Not, not a... nothing. Nothing at all. They, they just deal with things differently. And I found the programme quite fascinating. I'm sure I'd seen it before, though. I'm sure it was a repeat, because most things on over Christmas tend to be repeats, I'm afraid. But I, I, I did watch it with great interest. Uh, <clears throat> more on uh, Jennifer... Uh, Jennifer uh, Metcalf, the reason she's gone on to the dive show is to get over the breakup. Yeah, right, it's the only thing that was on the books for you. We're a bit bored with you. And you're not a star, dear. You're just another member of Hollyoaks. They're all, Daniela Westbrook's going into it. She's not a star. She's got some history, of course, that goes with it. Here's Alison Phillips. I'm going to read... I'll do it in the next part of the programme, because it's, it's worth reading. It's, 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 worth, it's worth me reading it to you, to let you know exactly where Alison Phillips stands on the subject of... Fitness DVDs, the thing which you're now going to be seeing. I've told you, Nell McAndrew's got one out. My advice is, don't waste your money. She is super fit. She's never been a big fat blob. She's been super fit and running marathons for donkey's years. So don't waste your time and money. It's no good buying these videos and DVDs, putting them in and thinking that in six weeks' time you're going to be dropping two dress sizes. No, you're not. It won't happen, OK? I can guarantee it will not happen for you. Every single one of the people who's brought them out before ballooned. Natalie Cassidy, classic example. One minute, fat bird. Next minute, thin bird for 150 grand or whatever it was she coined out of it. And the next minute, fat bird again. So don't buy them. It's, it's a complete waste of time. You don't need these sort of things. You know, some people are naturally thin and some people, you know, weight, you know, they don't, you know, I, I know quite thin people. You know, and they're they're all terribly attractive, you know. But they but they just don't put weight on. That's their metabolism. They can eat as much as they like. A friend of mine was married to this uh, this this girl, and she could eat anything. She could eat four Chinese meals, a whole box of crisps, and she never put on an ounce because that was her metabolism. Me, I've only got to look at sweet and sour pork, chicken, 
chow mein and a, oh, that makes me hungry. And all these other things. And I'll just balloon. I'll just balloon. So the advice is you have a fat chance of slimming like a star because they've got... You can see them out in the parks, you know. There will be a fat blob of somebody. We saw it with that weather girl when she was pictured out in a bikini in a park looking all fat. And you think, that's... You know that she's making a DVD for, for fitness. And so we'll read you Alison Phillips's comments in her column. Take all your texts and emails. 84850, uk. It's all coming up next. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. This is LBC 97.3. And it's back to work day because it's Wednesday... And it's the 2nd of January already. Here comes the news at five. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. Morning, four minutes past five. I know you don't want to get up and come to work. I know you don't want to go into it. Actually, luckily, some of you probably won't be going to work. Some of you will be taking the rest of this week off. Uh, some of you will be sitting there feeling maybe a little bit bloated after Christmas, a little bit of a hangover, thinking, oh, dear, how much money did we spend? Because this is where, and I don't want to remind you, this is where this month is a lot... This is a six-week month. This is because you got paid before Christmas... You probably had the blowout. You see, you've spent it. You're probably looking at the bank account thinking, oh, my God, we've got a long way to go before we get paid again. So I'm always very careful. I always make sure that I kind of buy Christmas, almost, not in advance, but I've, I've got very few things that I need to buy at Christmas. I like to... I've started being <clears throat> a little bit better in budgeting on things and not, not, not sort of tight budgeting, but just saying to people, you know, I'm not going to go mental. I'm not going to spend... Huge amounts of money. I'm going to buy you something you want, and then you'll appreciate it more. So I, th- I think this year, what did I spend on Christmas? £1,500? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Producer just fell off chair. Is that a lot? Do you think 15 I've got a lot of people to buy for. That's the trouble. I mean, I really have got a lot of people to buy for. I mean, also, because I've got godchildren and there's parents, you can't send one card to them because each godchild gets a card. So you're looking at... Four cards for the family. Not 1,500 quid on cards, I mean, quite clearly. But, I mean, the other... T- I mean, I did go out and buy a card just before... And it was, it was just £3. So I think... So if you buy four cards, you're looking at £12. And then you've got to send them. So it starts working out quite... Expect- just on cards. You know, so I do send a lot of e-cards. I, I, tend, I tend to do more e-cards now than other cards. I do give to, to family. Then you've got to buy... So they've all got to have presents. So you're looking at... Five presents in the family, and then if they have relatives over as well, and they're going to be there for Christmas, they get a present. Then, you know, there's my brother's side, and then his girlfriend, and so, so before you know where you are, and then I've got a producer I've got to buy something for. You know, not, not, no, not, no, not you, not you, because you're only temporary. You're not, you know, but proper producer gets, gets money, you know. I wonder how many other presenters buy their producers things for Christmas. I know some of them sort of do it, do it cheaper and take them out for dinner. You know, in which case I try and drink the place dry just to make sure I got full value for money. But th- there's all sorts of people you buy for nowadays. It's it's not it's not easy. There's big demands, and if you've got a family yourself, you know, if you've got kids or something like that, and a husband or a wife or whatever it happens to be, boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, I always say to people, if you're single and you're in a relationship, ditch them before Christmas. That way, it saves you the present because you know damn well you're not going to be with them for another year. 
So there's no point. Everybody's a little bit fickle. People go out now, you know, so different. So, I mean, it, it's not really worth it. I hate the idea of buying somebody a present at Christmas if you're going out with them. And then come January, they ditch you and you think, I wish I'd not spent money on a blooming Christmas present. So that's how it is. Now, but the other thing you'll be worrying about is you've all put on a little bit of extra poundage. Not, it's, it's not difficult. It's not difficult over Christmas. We do eat. We do eat all the wrong kind of foods. I mean, I myself last night did actually go out of my way to buy some pigs in blankets and cook those and had six of those. I was going to have it with mashed potato, but to be quite honest, the smell of the sausages and the bacon was so overwhelming for me, I couldn't be bothered to get the mashed potato out of the fridge. Because what I do is I buy ready-made mashed potato, because I can afford to, and, and then I heat it up. But I, I do like sausages in blankets with mashed potato and a tin of beans. That kind of sorts me out far. I'm quite happy with that sort of comfort, but really bad for you. So you go out and you see... that and They'll be doing the rounds of all the chat shows. All the, I was a fat celebrity, now I'm a thin celebrity. And they'll be looking to get the money off you. And I'm sure that there is a, probably a list somewhere of all the celebs who've brought out a fitness DVD. What they'll try and do is stagger them now, because I think the market's dropped off a little bit. So at the moment... <clears throat> The only ones I can see out there are Josie Gibson, who apparently was on a reality show, although you won't have the faintest idea who she is, and the other one was Nell McAndrew. (coughs) So Alison Phillips, writing in the paper today, says, It's January, the most miserable month of credit card bills, abstinence and celebs revealing their hot new bodies. They never quite specify what they've done with their old bodies, but they must keep them safe somewhere at the back of the wardrobe because come July, they've generally reappeared, once full settlement for the fitness DVDs in the bank, and the mung beans have lost their appeal. Chief celeb slimmer this season, former Big Brother winner Josie Gibson. Not so long ago, she was a size 20 and appeared to be comfortable. Now she's a size 10 and promoting a 30-second slim. Now, I don't know much about dieting, writes Alison Phillips. But I'm reckoning it took a whole lot of 30 seconds for Josie to drop six stone, unless it involved a chainsaw. To promote the DVD, (coughs) Josie posed for a magazine at the weekend without a flaw on her skin or a ripple on her flesh. A Barbie doll toy would have had more physical defects. Maybe Josie isn't one of them. But I'm pig sick, she says, of women flogging weight loss advice to other women next to pictures of themselves which haven't so much benefited from an airbrush as an air trowel. Or celebs who've had drastic weight loss through dangerous and totally unsustainable means who are leading us to believe it's all down to star jumps and sushi. Because every time they do it, another one of us women in the real world meekly walks into the shops and shells out hard-earned cash in the hope that by doing a few stretches in front of the celebrities' workout video, we'll be looking just like them soon. Wells, says Alison, it just ain't going to happen. Maybe we should all know better by now. The racket's been going on long enough after all, but the diet industry is built on creating hope in people, and that's why these celebrities earn their fee. Except, (coughs) she says here, it's a false hope. People peddle many of these DVDs. They're charlatans, flogging quack remedies, which are virtually impossible to maintain in the long term. There are some celebrities, such as Davina McCall and Nell McAndrew, who look good because they've kept up a healthy lifestyle for donkey's years. But others on the DVD bandwagon achieve their hot new bodies through starving themselves, exercising into a frenzy and worse. And they're always out there with a personal trainer. You've seen them. I generally try and expose them coming up to Christmas. But this year we appeared not to have too many of them. She says, look at Natalie Cassidy, who later confessed she used laxatives to get unsustainably thin. Kerry Katona, who was popping God knows what. Or Hannah Waterman, who said she was healthier and happier once she put the weight back on after the DVD came out. All she says... 
ex-Corrie star Vicky Entwistle, who says she became obsessed with losing weight when she shrank to a size four and was addicted to dieting and exercise. That's not healthy. If we want to lose weight and feel healthy, we have to trust the professionals, not a big brother has been we know nothing about. So if you're looking for inspiration, says Alison, this bleak January morning, don't for goodness sake look at suddenly suspicious tiny stars like Josie Gibson. Look at yourself, because that's the only figure that matters. And she's absolutely right, and I've been saying it for 15, 20 years, Josie Gibson is a charlatan, OK? What she's done is she's done this huge weight loss. It's not in her nature. She's a big bird, OK? She's the kind of thing you'd have stuffed in the oven come Christmas Day. She's that big. She loses all the weight. She, to me, she looks ill. I've never... I've looked at the pictures. She looks ill. Not a great look, I'm afraid. So they've given her new makeup and everything else. But she's not half as attractive as she ever was. And she'll be coming up with the usual old baloney to anybody who'll want to listen to it. Oh, yes, I feel so much happier in my thin body. She's flogging a DVD. She'll tell you anything you want to hear. Don't waste your money. It's as simple as that. As I've said a million times, I'm, I'm blue in the face. If you want to lose weight, go to the doctor. The doctor will give you a diet sheet. They will do an exercise plan. Go and join a gym. You know, if you're very lucky, like Josie Gibson, you'll have somebody do it all for you. They'll just promise you the money at the end of the day. And, of course, I'm assuming it must have had some time with OK Magazine because they've plastered all over the place. Why would they want to flog somebody's charlatan DVD? I promise you, this time next year, she'll be as big as a whale. Okay, don't take my word for it. Just, just wait for it. Let's just wait for the fallout. At the moment, she's flogging you any old rubbish. And my advice is, you don't need it. You really don't need it. You want the advice? Little and often. Little and often. That applies to so many things in life, doesn't it? Little and often. You know, get, take up exercise. Get a bicycle. I know somebody who cycles to work every day and they're still not thin. Because their natural metabolism is not to be thin. Some people, you are the shape you are. Sometimes, you know, you might think, I'm, I'm quite big, but I don't eat a lot of food. That's your metabolism. Some people eat loads of food, and they do, everybody's different. Some people are fat, some people are thin, some people have got a full head of hair, some people haven't got much hair, some people have got spots, some people have got great skin. We're all different. You're not going to be the same as Josie Gibson. If she wants to parade this load of old rubbish in your face, well, then fine, but you should turn and laugh. Ha, 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 because in a year's time... You're going to be a fat girl again. And then will you be giving the money back? Didn't you, did you not see it with that loose woman, Colleen Nolan? A fraud, if ever there was one. Oh, look at me. I'm all slim and gorgeous. Look at her now. Fat as a house. Fat as a house. They do not work. So don't waste your time. It's only there to boost their bank balance. That's all it is. You know, it was like, when, who was it who did one the other day? There was somebody who did one. I can't, it might have been Christine Bleakley brought out. A, and I thought, but she's never been fat. She's always been this skinny. Hi, yeah. You know, just skinny and rubbish. I think she brought it out with her sister or something stupid like, oh, it just annoys me. It's just cheating the public. I wanted Colleen Nolan to give all the money back she'd made out of the, uh, the fraudulent DVD. Noel Gallagher's lost the plot completely. Noel Gallagher has completely fallen off the bandwagon. He believes that he's going to end up in heaven because he says God is a huge Oasis fan. He's a stu- Where's he come from? He's Manchester, isn't he? Oh, dear me. Apparently he's already written his Pearly Gates speech to persuade St Peter to overlook the catalogue of sex, drugs and rock and roll sins he's racked up. Do you know he's a father of three? I know that, and you wouldn't have thought he was capable, would you? He's 45 now. And uh, I think what he's doing, he's just copying what John Lennon said years ago, which is, uh, you know, that, uh, that the Beatles are bigger than Christ. I remember him making that speech. And perhaps Noel's just jumped on the bandwagon. Shut up, silly boy. Go back inside your house. We'll come and slap the back of your legs. I've never heard so much rubbish. What an impertinence. 
you know, God isn't an Oasis fan. He doesn't even know who Oasis is. Don't be so silly. Uh, I go back to school tomorrow, says Kimberly. I moved from London to New York to study, but I listen to the programme in New York, which is lovely. I don't mind where I, where I listen to. Uh, let's have a look. Just a thought. Just, oh, I'll come round to you in a moment, Paul, because I'm looking at the, uh, the time. Got to take a very quick break. It's quarter past five. <laughs> LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 18 minutes past five. Just a thought, says Paul. Many years ago, we were promised a new dynamic TV station which would cross the boundaries, and for a few years, it actually did. We had films that had the red warning triangle, such as Sebastian. We had edgy documentaries and a groundbreaking soap in the shape of Brookside. Never a week went by without someone in the paper being outraged. But then... Because so many complained, the station dumbed down. So instead we got a force-fed endless repeat of Come Dine, Time Team and Friends, to name but a few. And now, along with Alan Carr, the big quiz got the most complaints, as they did last year. You only had to look at the panel to know what you're going to get. I watched both shows, and I have to say, even I felt uncomfortable over some of the stuff they came out with. My point is that with the station did follow all the guidelines on both shows, with numerous announcements about the material being adult humour and it causing offence. Maybe the bosses are trying to put the station back to prominence and restore its edgy reputation. It won't have done either. The presenters, producers or the station any harm. You can guarantee that loads who missed it will now tune into the iPlayer and the seven-year catch-up stations... And uh, he says they have achieved their purpose. In a different branch of entertainment, Chubby Brown, his, his motto on every advert, if easily offended, stay away, was the same. But they don't. And I'm certainly no fan of Mr Corden either. I don't know what the answer is. I suppose we're talking censorship, sadly. Uh, great nostalgia, though, with the Andy Stewart documentary. And it's on the iPlayer, the White Heather Club snippets, and an interview with Stanley Baxter. Gloria watched the London parade on the satellite station, and apparently the coverage was dire. So anybody who watched on my recommendation, my apology. Did anybody else think Melanie Sykes is morphing into Nancy Delusional? Uh, Yes, poor old Melanie Sykes. I don't know what you can say about Melanie Sykes, really. But it's true. There will be those people who will want to watch the James Corden and Jack Whitehouse thing because... But they call it adult humour. Well, I'm an adult. I don't find it funny. I don't find it funny at all. So what's their version of adult humour? I don't know. Perhaps just just being vulgar. Perhaps just being perhaps that's Channel 4's answer to it, but it's it's not it's it's not what I call humour. It's it's just base. You might as well just stick a load of drunks in a room and wait and see what they come up with because that's basically all it is. It's the same people. You know, if you're going to get James Corden on there, because sadly, in his tiny brain-like shell of an ear and brain, you know, there's not much going on. He thinks he's terribly funny. Well, then it's it's re- it's reached the end of the road. I'm afraid. Very funny as an actor. Very good as an actor. But unfortunately, give him a, b- a bottle of wine and it's just pathetically awful, I'm afraid. Uh, Josie Gibson looks dreadful since the weight loss. Looks like a starved crow. She looks awful. She really, she will pile it back on again because she's a fat girl. She's a fat girl. She is not meant to be thin. And they've only done it. As they say, you know, they put them on this diet. It's a high-protein diet and they'll be doing exercise. They will be exhausted. But the financial reward, they, they would flog their mother down the river. Believe you me. Stars? Diet DVD, DVDs, totally agree with you, Steve. I was a size 8 to 10 
Even after having a child, I was back size 8 in three weeks. Then I developed health problems. Since 1990, I've had to take steroids. I'm now a size 18 and have more chins than a Hong Kong directory. Celebs who flog fake diets are an insult, suggesting looks are more important than the person. Playing dangerous games with people's minds and bodies. But people will buy it. I'd love to stand in the shop and see who does. I'd like to say to them, are you stupid? Why would you want to buy Joseph? Why would you want to look like that? Because you're not going to manage it, because you can't do it by yourself. You know, if somebody said to you, I tell you what, here is a gym membership, go to the gym and lose weight, you won't do it. Because you need encouragement, you need somebody else to go with you, you need a trainer. <clears throat> That's why all these girls, and it always is girls, it's never blokes, Isn't that funny? It's never ever, because quite clearly you girls are quite easily swayed in the fat bird market. You know, you think that you're going to put this on in the morning, and they go, oh, just a couple of minutes before you go to work. Yeah, right. You'll do it for less than two days and that'll be it, I'm afraid. I mean, there are lots of sad people who want to lose weight and they buy these things because they seriously believe the garbage that Josie Gibson comes up with. She doesn't know anything about losing weight. She's been that size for donkey's years. All of a sudden now, because there's no work, somebody goes, have you ever thought about a fitness DVD? Listen, Colleen Nolan managed to make a mint out of the public, managed to hoodwink them quite easily, went on all the chat shows. Natalie Cassie, I remember her pitching up on, I forget whose show it was, Alan Carr, or it could have been Graham Norton, on how she'd lost all this weight, and then, lo and behold, fat bird's back again with us. So don't waste your time and money. You feel like going to them and saying, don't you feel that you've cheated the public, that you've ripped them off? Ridiculous. Eight for eight five oh. Uh, Patricia says, I can't believe there are nanas who buy fitness DVDs, but as a showman once said, there's one born every minute. I know, and I suppose, thank God for that. That's how they make their money. But you just feel like saying, oh, dear, it's just dreadful. I used to buy cards for my family, says Karen, that were sold as singles. Not anymore, too expensive. I went to the post office before Christmas to buy stamps. It cost me 15 quid. That's more than the cards cost. Another one here. Uh, Claire says... How I missed my yearly fume about fair rises. No pay rises for five years, but 4% up this morning to get to work makes you feel alive. I know, I know. It's great, isn't it? You know, you, you didn't get a pay rise at work, but everything's going up. Everything's going up now. You know, they're going to stick an extra 10 or 20p on the Oyster card, <clears throat> which is lovely. Uh, one that says here, Abramovich is a party pooper. Uh, he looks so miserable. Do I have to do this during Chelsea's open-deck European Cup winner's victory parade in May? Well, he doesn't do parties. He's a former market trader, but he's quite shy. <coughs> he might have all the money in the world, but he has to buy friends. And that's what's so sad about it. Uh, 84850. As you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, in court, legal action would be out of the question against you, because you tell it all the time. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, so spot on, Steve, because I drive an articulated lorry. <clears throat> Sorry, a bit throaty just for a second. All over South East England. No traffic jams or traffic wardens. And finish between 8 and 10. I love driving home as everybody's driving in. Peter Andre's TV show, Steve, the kind of thing that makes you sorry you actually own a television. <laughs> John Bishop is his own number one fan. He's constantly chuckling at his own gags. Yeah, well, I, I do that sometimes. I've done that before. I mean, I'm not... Uh, I'm not sometimes you say something that makes you laugh. And, I should, and Frank Carlson was a classic example, wasn't he, of, of, a, of a comedian who, that's <laughs> the way I tell him. And he would, he would tell these, he'd make himself laugh halfway through. Whether or not it was, you know, they all, they all do it. All comedians do that. They laugh at their own jokes and that's what makes them comedians. Because they think it's funny. And nine out of ten times it really is. Uh, other stories in the papers today. <clears throat> Three babies 
hooked on heroin or crack, are delivered every day. Born junkies, there were 5,500 addict babies in the last five years. 596 people were killed by heroin in one year, and 302 addict babies in the northwest each year. I didn't realise that people, you know, I'm quite well aware that there are drugs out there. I'm quite well aware that people take drugs. Luckily, I don't. I never, I never actually got into the drug. I must have been terribly boring as a child, I think, because I never got into drugs. But when I was younger, it was there wasn't really up. Well, I suppose there might have been, but it wasn't talked about as much as it is now. I can see people on the streets of London, and when I used to see people talking to themselves, I used to think druggies. Now I realise that they've got Bluetooth on their phone and they're just wandering along talking to an earpiece. It's all a little bit sad because they were somewhat misguided into thinking they were going to pick up cancer by holding the phone up to their ear. I thought we'd dispense with that load of old rubbish ages and ages ago. Uh, Other stories in the papers today. Meatloaf's wife has left him. And, uh, oh, it's a meatloaf impersonator. Not even meatloaf. He's he's at a rock bottom after the real singer sued him and won 18 grand. (sighs) That's a bit worrying. Skint Dean Talkington... Lives in his van after losing his living, his wife, and then his home. He also dropped 12 stone. Now, that's a diet you need, isn't it? He's dropped 12 stone. Whoopee, big up you, without a DVD. That's really great. So, of course, you can't be a meatloaf impersonator. And he says, meatloaf has ruined my life. I once idolised him, but now I hate him. The US rocker first vented his fury at Dean, who comes from Burnley in Lancashire, at a gig in Liverpool. Dean says, I paid for VIP tickets for me and my then-wife. We drove up there in my van and I wore my costume for the show. As soon as the gig was over, a member of his staff told me that Meatloaf wanted to see me backstage. I couldn't believe it. When I got there, he went crazy. He'd seen my van and said he wanted it sprayed, that I wouldn't do my act anymore, and that he wanted the website. Multi-millionaire bat out of Helsinger, Meatloaf, real name... Michael Aday sued Dean in a California court after he refused to give up the domain name www.meatloaf.org and Dean had to pay 18 grand. Is that ridiculous? I'd have told Meatloaf to go stick it. I would, absolutely. Dean, who now tours pubs singing songs by Bon Jovi, Bruce Springsteen and Aerosmith, God, I bet he's a whale, said it has to be an exercise for him to flex his ego. He won't get a penny from me, I'm broke. Oh, right, so he's not actually paid any money yet. <sighs> wow. That's good. We did see Meatloaf once. He was at the Royal Variety Performance some years ago. I thought he was drunk. Seriously, he was so bad, he didn't, he didn't know half the words to the song. I was ever so disappointed. And so then they, um, they obviously, when they showed it on the television, they obviously showed the rehearsal, because he appeared to be quite compassmentous for that. But the other time, he looked awful when he came on stage. Only one in every 13 people convicted of internet abuse is locked up. 2,700 trolls were found guilty in Britain in the past year. 206 of them were jailed. Still an incentive, though, isn't it? Still an incentive. Uh, another one here. James Corden, as himself, is as funny as a winter gas bill. Well, perhaps he's, he's funnier when he's on drink. I don't, well, I mean, perhaps he thought he was. But it's the editing of the programme. Channel 4, really, probably, they, they couldn't care less. There won't be any prosecute. I mean, how can you prosecute somebody over that? If you choose to watch that bilge, that's your problem. But I just say, I tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out about James Corden by tomorrow morning and we're going to start the programme making jokes about his mother and his father and his family and his wife and her family. See how he likes it. You know, you can't make jokes about the royal family at all, I'm afraid. You know, not, not when they involve sexual references. It's just, it's just too awful for words. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. I was going to tell you the weather for today, so I'll have a quick look at it, just in case you were worried about things. 
No, it's OK. It's not particularly... Very cold this morning. There's one thing I will tell you. Put a vest on. If you have a vest at home, put, put, put a vest on, because it's a wee bit chilly out there. You'll notice it when you walk outside. It's a, I forgot to water my hanging baskets the other day. One went quite limp on me. I was quite depressed, so I'm going to perk it up when I get home. Got me a little bottle of water. Um, apparently, if you're slightly plump, you could live longer. You see, there's no... Oh, thank God for that. In other words, the size I am at the moment, I should be living forever. Feels like a bit of a song. And have you ever heard of persimmons? Have you ever heard of pers- Do you even know what persimmons are? I've never even heard of them. It's a fruit. A few years ago, it would have been very unusual to find them gracing the fruit bowl. But apparently now, they've overtaken kiwi fruit, mangoes and avocados in the build-up to Christmas. I've never even heard of them. But you know why they're mentioning them in the paper? Because they've got goodness in them. They've got A and C vitamins, calcium, potassium, iron, magnesium, and they've got twice as much fibre than an apple. Well, I'm going to buy some of these today. This sounds like the superfruit. Persimmons. Top of the crops in 2012. We're now in 2013. I'd have to find out from Paul Cooper if he's got any persimmons in. He probably knows what they are. I think I might have seen them. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. 5.30 the time. Headline. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I just realised, just in case you weren't with us yesterday, I suppose it's, uh, it's mindful of me to wish you a happy new year. You know, just in case you sort of, yesterday went through in a bit of a blur. We had a right old rant yesterday. I was furious yesterday. Furious. Couldn't get anywhere into central London because the roads were all closed. Everything was closed off. We went, in the end, you know, many of us had to, to walk to get in. It was, it was just so terrible. But we don't mind doing things like that. Um, one here says, stop calling people fat, it's rude. No, you're fat, OK? It's, you're actually fattest. So, so there you go. And <laughs> cause, yeah, no point beating around the bush. If you're fat, you're fat. And you look in the mirror, you know you're fat. And you look fat. OK, so there you go. Everybody happy about that one. Now, I use the word fat all the time. I'm not one of these pussyfoots. Who cares? Or, you know, don't call us fat. Call us slightly overweight. No, you're fat. There's a difference. Fat looks like blobby. They did a programme on the television, I think, with one of the... Uh, with with the, uh, the doctor. And he was on there. And this man was so fat, his stomach was actually on the floor. He was standing up. And it was all held up. And then when it, it dropped, it dropped onto the floor, his stomach. I mean, that is just absurd. I know people who go to the gym, you know, the very idea of having an ounce of fat is quite abhorrent to them, and they get, they get quite funny about it. They go to the gym and they like to look at their flexing. I'm looking good. You know, I mean, I don't do that. You know, there's no point. It's very narcissistic going to a gym. I think people go there because they like... The truth. I think the truth of the matter is they like looking at other people's bodies. That's what it is. And they think, you're not as good as my body. I work out better than you. And then, you, and then it becomes very... It's like bodybuilders. They actually become almost obsessive about their bodies. They, they know how to tense up and do all whatever they do things. And, you know, to have sort of a washboard tummy is apparently the thing. Well, I mean, who cares? Who cares? They quite clearly don't know how to enjoy themselves, ladies and gentlemen. They go out there and they do their sit-ups and their bench presses and they do spinning. Spinning, apparently, is very popular now. I don't, I don't quite know what it is. I just think it involves spinning. I don't, I don't know whether or not you just turn yourself round in a circle. I'm not sure about that. I understand about weights and then behind your head and sitting up and lifting weights with your feet and all that kind of stuff. But eventually, they're all going to put on weight. They're all going to put on weight again. It's only a temporary thing, I'm afraid. Persimmons, apparently, says Dom, the milky in Knightsbridge, says they're also known as Sharon fruit. Well, according to the paper, you can eat them all the time. You can eat them either like an apple or a peach. You can eat the skin 
you don't need to take that. They're about 50p each, so they're, they're quite, quite, um, quite inexpensive for something that's good for you. It's got all these good things in there. I might buy one today and try it. A persimmon, so Sharon fruit. That's what it, you probably know it as Sharon fruit. Do all celebrities past their sell-by date resort to making fitness videos, gardening programmes, or doing houses up for extra cash? Actually, now you've reminded me. I turned on Celebrity Mastermind the other day. I didn't know the people were on it. Celebrity Mastermind. I had no idea. Except Paul Martin, who does one of these antiques programmes. He's the one who touches people. You know, we've said before, I don't, you know, if you're there, you brought your little antique along and they, they sort of stand there and then he puts his arm around their shoulder. And, oh, don't touch people. Anyway, I couldn't believe yesterday he was on Celebrity Mastermind. He's as thick as a brick. He didn't know anything at all. He walked away, I think, with 11 points. In one of the, he was so stupid. I sat there with my jaw on the floor thinking, you're not really this thick, are you? you I thought, are you acting? And then I suddenly realised, he's that dim. He didn't know anything at all. He knew nothing. Well, I can't remember what he's chosen something because I'd lost interest in that because I didn't know who the other people were. There was a woman next to him, and I think she was an actress in something. She played a doctor. And so the quiz master was asking her about being a doctor, and I thought, no, she's an actress, dear. She's playing a doctor. She didn't know anything about it. She's, she's an actress. It's like asking, you know, somebody in EastEnders, what's it like being an EastEnder? And they go, well, actually, I come from Surrey. I'm just acting. And he was asking the stupidest questions. He asked Paul Martin about, you know, what's the kind of thing to collect. And Paul Martin, quite clearly, only knows about Georgian furniture. So he flogged Georgian furniture to us. But the rest of the time, he was so dim. Really, absolutely, (coughs) absolutely terrible. I mean, really, really just ghastly. (laughs) Ghastly. Uh, 84850, uk. Rishi says, I've been eating a lot of persimmons lately. We've all heard of them now, have we? They're divine, firm on the outside, make a note of this one, firm on the outside and juicy and soft on the inside and incredibly sweet. They taste good alone or apparently you can have them with, uh, with sort of other things. You can put them in, into cooking. You can have them in salads. You can do them with anything. This sounds like a miracle fruit, doesn't it? Should we try one today? Should we try one today later and see how, see how we get on by tomorrow morning? Well, they'll all be terribly ill or going, I'm never eating one of those things ever again. Uh, somebody's... Uh, predicting what will happen in the celebrity Big Brother house. It'll be interesting, actually. Interesting. We shall find out whether or not uh, that person will. Uh, Spinning is riding an exercise bike. Ah, that's... Oh, that's what it's spinning is. It's wheel wheel spin, is it? Oh, right, you just sit on a bike and you pedal, do you? Going nowhere. That's called spinning. Why is is it not called exercise bike? Why Why is it called spinning? Because I thought spinning involved sort of on your back, like you know, doing that breakdancing kind of stuff. It's nothing like that at all. It's sitting on a bicycle, just pedalling. How ridiculous. Never heard anything so stupid. Uh, Dot says, eating Sharon fruit is like eating a bag of sugar. It's so sweet. Uh, Steve, your good friend Mr Andre's on Channel 27. I'm told there's one more uh, episode of Peter Andre's dreary, boring life. And he's got the... Ooh, and he's got the, uh, the girlfriend with him, who seems quite sweet, actually. Perhaps she likes the publicity and that kind of thing. But she, she's very intelligent. She's training to be a doctor. A lot of people telling me how much they like uh, persimmon. I've, do you know, I'd never even heard of these blooming things. I think I'd seen them, but I don't think I'd ever eaten them before. They're very similar to Sharon fruit, says Tom. Well, we thought they were Sharon fruit. Are you saying they're different from, from Sharon fruit? Mandy says, from Swiss Cottage, 
Uh, persimmons look like an orange tomato, commonly known as Sharon fruit. They're grown predominantly in Israel. They're very sweet. They should be eaten when the skin starts to have some black spots on it. That's when they're ripe. Ooh, dear. Like you, I've gravitated to Waitrose and no longer shop at M&S, but unfortunately, M&S have them more frequently than most other shops. Back to work today after ten days off. Very hard to get up, but with your help, I'm now ready to face the day. We can all do it together. Come on, 22 minutes to six. That's a pull the duvet back. Okay, pull it back slowly. Okay, put one foot out. Okay, now put it back in the bed, put the duvet over it, close your eyes. Okay, don't bother getting up. Fake some illness today. You don't want to go back to work. It's Wednesday. It's never a good day to go back to work on Wednesday. Coming up this morning, Lisa Aziz with the morning news at 6.30. So we'll have a free podcast for you today. Well, that's the theory. Uh, They'll be looking at the train fares. 20% faster than wages. They've grown 20% faster than wages in the last decade. We'll be sending our reporter Tom Swarbrick down to Victoria and Paddington Station. Busy boy today. Uh, the jobless young are feeling depressed. Never the ones I see on the television, though, is it? Uh, the government's set for a defeat on the insult law. And uh, this is... Um, the guest is going to be Simon Calvert, who's the campaign director for Reform Section 5. Day by day, the pressure is mounting on the government to ditch this legislation that criminalises free speech. What's disappointing is that even now the Home Office continue to push the line that if they remove the word insulting, then they would not be able to prosecute hooligans and yobs who swear at the police. Because they see it. I see it all the time. People swearing. And the police officer says, do not swear. Well, of course, mainly it's drunks who are doing it or people who are inarticulate. And so, eventually, then they get arrested for a public order offence. They get fined 80 quid. And I think they want to stop that, which is not good. Nick Ferrari's with you. I think he's back this morning. From seven for breakfast, Kit Malthouse will be looking through the papers today. They'll again be looking at the fare increases, plus business with David Buick, who we talked to yesterday about the fiscal cliff, because they've now decided to uh, do this deal, which will avoid the US falling back into recession, which is very interesting. They'll look at small businesses and why Britain should adopt a US initiative to encourage shoppers to use small local shops. I've always said, use small local shops wherever possible, because once they go from the high street, all you're going to be left with on the high street is either estate agent, blooming coffee shops, uh, or charity shops in our case. They open up all over the place, charity shops. They're there, and it ruins the high street. Ruins it. Once you get one, you get two, or in our case, 20. They're all over the place. It was, it was just... Just awful. Uh, more on Channel 4. I wonder whether or not Nick will pick up on this one. This obscene quiz. The MPs discussed at revolting jokes about the Queen. Because I've seen lots of <coughs> so-called famous celebrities who pitch up on some of these shows. And you begin to wonder. Well, I mean, I think Gabby Logan was on this particular one. And somebody said that she looked really embarrassed that she'd even been booked to do it. But they were red wine, drinking red wine. And uh, the infantile behaviour of Jack Whitehall, a buffoon of the First Order. And James Corden, just a bad drunk, I'm afraid. Um, was sort of, you know, I, th- I think egged on by Jonathan Ross, who's the man who lost his job with the BBC after that abusive phone call to actor Andrew Sachs during a radio show. Channel 4's been accused of failing to learn the lessons from the Saxgate scandal. They were coming under increased uh, pressure from people. One person wrote, No lesson learnt from the Brand Ross event, which was on the same guttural level. These idiotic men are so grossly arrogant, they've got no sense of respect for others, let alone the people who they so sickeningly vilify. I mean, it was really, it was just disgusting. Disgusting. Uh, Carr did joke, uh, um, Mr Carr, that in fact they, uh, they had been drinking a lot of wine, and there was a bottle of red wine under the desk, and, uh, and then Whitehall had a drink while eating pizza. 
Disgusting jokes about Susan Boyle. Corden appears to realise he's gone too far, saying, this is where I do myself in and forget we're broad, we're recording this and it's just going to be broadcast on television. I just think we're having a great time eating pizza. I mean, that's fine. If they want to do that privately, that's great. I don't want to see it on television. I don't care whether it's after the watershed, before the watershed. I couldn't care less anything about the watershed. It's just too disgusting. So that's why I think people should start making jokes about James Corden's family and see how much he enjoys it. Let's make jokes about his wife, shall we? Let's make filthy jokes about his wife. He'd be the first one to be complaining. The first one. But as I say, when he's had a few few drinks, he's not the most pleasant, I'm afraid. Uh, you can find love online tonight. Tonight is apparently a very good night for finding out. Millions of people will be choosing dating websites. Now, I, I don't know whether or not any of you listening have ever used a dating website. I've never thought they were particularly successful, but they always pretend that they're very successful, and lots of people go on to them because they're looking for love. Now, I think people tell lies on the internet. I'm terribly sorry, but I think they do. I think if you want to find somebody, then you'll either meet them at work. That's why lots of relationships start at work. You know, people wander around the building and they see something, oh, you're nice. And then they find out more about them and then they sort of go out with somebody and then it fizzles out because they find somebody else in the office who's, you know, sort of better and more fun and something like that. So that's why. But apparently most people who go online, the time you will find love tonight is 8.52. How they work this out, I've got no idea. But they've decided in their infinite wisdom that uh, people will, will try and find somebody now because this is the new year. You don't want to go through the year single again, do you? Although, to be honest with you, there's nothing to matter with being single. Single's absolutely great. That means you can play the field and do whatever you want to. If if you're kind of tied into a relationship... Mind you, some people I know tied into a relationship also play the field. You know, and that way they get the best of of both worlds. Uh, David Macclesfield says, talking about a washboard stomach, Steve, I'm quite happy with my twin tub. I think we built up an image that uh, is too gross for this time of the morning, I'm afraid. And uh, look at that singer out of Dollar. Ended up selling hot dogs in London. An air out of Corrie saying, I will survive, but died an alcoholic. Well, I don't think David Van Day selling hot dogs, and it's in Brighton, by the way. He's had the hot dog wagon down there for years. And I hate to tell you, but he makes a fortune. An absolute fortune. Hot dog wagons make a fortune. Why do you think they're all over markets? They make a fortune. And David Van Day's had one down there for a long, long time. Apparently low in calorie, low-cal sweets, Sharon fruits. For overweight people, they're very... I don't know, are they not... Because um, they're full of sugar. Very high in sugar. So I'm not sure about that. Eat in moderation, says Kit. Uh, I have more important things to do, Steve, than watching Celebrity Big Brother, like watching some paint dry and degrouting the shower. Yes, it'll be interesting. If uh, I'm making a prediction, something might happen before Big Brother kicks off. Something might happen. It could be a could be another big story. We'll wait and find out. It'll be the usual bunch of non-entities, though. I've seen a few of the names on there. And to be honest with you, it looks a bit sad and lonely. But there again, there's the sort of people who are sad and lonely. They've got nothing to do. If they actually put... Who were they thinking of put it? Jim Davidson in there. Uh, they, they're hoping for a few sparks. I mean, quite clearly, the man is so out of touch with anything in reality now. Not a very pleasant person. Really not a very pleasant person. And so they're going to put him in this reality show... He's, you remember the host of Big Brother is the ghastly Brian Dowling. Uh, not ghastly because he's a ghastly person, but ghastly because he's a dreadful presenter and doesn't wear clothes that fit. And him and Jim Davidson had a row on a cooking programme once where Jim came up with this homophobic stuff, which would have been funny years and years ago, but sadly it has no place in today's society and, and Jim was quite roundly criticised for it. He's, he's a dinosaur. He's stuck in a particular time warp, but that's, that's the way he works. And so if they put him in this thing, you've got Brian Dowling again and apparently that dreadful Ryland from The X Factor... 
you know, somebody who, you know, if you had a bath of water, you'd want to hold him under it for a fairly lengthy piece of time, wouldn't you, to make the programme more bearable, because I think he's irritating when he's not on the television. The very idea we've got to watch him all the time is just awful. Uh, somebody says, I met my girlfriend online. We've been together for six years. You're right. They don't work. LBC 97.3. Call 08456060973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I'm so depressed. Train fares going up. Everything's going up, isn't it? Train fares are going up. The Oyster card's going up. That means on the buses. It's not so good. And uh, here's a picture. Because the other day, I think... Um, who got married? Oh, Len Goodman got married, I think, for the third time. We love Len Goodman to pieces. Uh, but at the uh, the wedding was the ghastly, insincere Tony Beak. That's the uh, aforementioned Anton Dubeck, who apparently has a new a new girlfriend called Hannah Summers. He's just, he is a bit like a mini oil slick. Anton Dubeck, they, they always give all the old women to, to dance on the programme. I think because he had Esther Ranson, he got Nancy Delolio. And, you know, luckily, she's been, she's been conspicuous by her... Hello. ..by her absence... For ages. We've not seen Nancy Delolio in the papers. We haven't seen her anywhere else. And then, actually, strange enough, Anne Whittacombe. I think perhaps she, she misread the paper the other day. She says, congratulations to the RSPCA for rehoming some 60,000 animals last year. But it should disturb all of us who regularly drop our spare change into the collection boxes that they put down more than 3,000 perfectly healthy creatures. I think it was about 58,000 they put down, actually, Anne. If it was only 3,000, it would be a miracle. But they put down about 58,000 because they, uh, if they can't rehome them, then they put them down. 3,000 would be... I mean, there's so many... So you've got your figures completely wrong. I, re- I read that yesterday, and I think it was 58,000 animals are put down regularly by the RSPCA because there's no room for them. You know, and whilst so-called animal lovers in this country go out... And a friend of mine's just got another dog. He lost his dog the other week and had to have it put down because it was, it was ill. And he got another... Res- he always gets rescue dogs, and this one's half blind. So it's because some animals have been abused, and it's nice to give a dog a home if you can, so it can spend its years with, with other animals. And he's got another... He's either got two other dogs or three other dogs. Either way, it's, it's nice, and so he always gets rescue. He wouldn't dream of buying anything but rescue, and so he always makes sure he looks after them. But and sadly, for all these rescue homes, there just isn't uh, enough room to rehome everything at all. There really isn't. It's, you know, there, there's constant... There'd be so many animals abandoned over Christmas... And it's not just dogs, it's cats as well. And then, of course, there's all the other animals that, ju- that just get abandoned. Because people see them and think, oh, we'll, we'll buy an animal for Christmas. And you shouldn't, because it's a five-minute wonder, isn't it? It's a bit of a novelty for a lot of people. Uh, Peter says, I met my wife on a, a dating site. We've been married four years and have twin girls. Happy New Year. So we found two people. We found two people who've, who've had happy relationships, which is good. Um, another one here. It says, uh, Steve Allen show, tongue like a whip. Regina, again, God, you are fat, aren't you? I mean, you know, it's, it's nice to see fat people. I like, I mean, but just don't, don't send me pictures of yourself. I, I could really do, do without things like that first thing in the morning. It's very upsetting. Very, very upsetting. And, uh, is, is that two of you there, or is it just one bit difficult to tell, I suppose? But, uh, definitely fat. Definitely fat. Uh, Dom and Don is staying in Teddington this morning. Thank you. So we're trying to find other people, because if you're going to meet somebody online, 8.52 to, tonight is the time you'll find your, your loved one. But I thought, you know, people put up pictures on the internet, and it's never, it's never a recent picture, is it? 
You're never too sure until you finally meet that person in the flesh as to what they look like. And it's got to be an emotion. You can't go by just a picture, can you? You can't fall in love with a picture, can you? Can you? Oh, right. So, I mean, I, do, I, I go for the mind. Hopefully, if they've actually not got one, it's an advantage as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're the easiest ones. But uh, 8.52, so if you're going online, the online dating, and a lot of people spend a fortune. Wasn't there that woman who set up that uh, club and it was for millionaires looking for, for a date? And I thought, oh, how naff. How naff, a club just full of very, very rich people put together by a gold digger who quite clearly... And I only ever date rich men, she said. Oh, dear, you make yourself out to be very cheap and, and tacky, I'm afraid. Uh, and we're talking about... Uh, Margaret Thatcher, talking about prison. No cure for the mentally ill. No, but we've abandoned all hope for the mentally ill, haven't we? We don't seem to put as much money into it at the moment, which is which is a big, big shame. Uh, Paul Burrell, uh, the former servant, Paul Burrell, has predicted the late royal's modern parenting skills will be an inspiration to the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Actually, Paul Burrell, just go away. Nobody cares about you. You're a servant. You, uh, you were told what to do. Diana never, ever said, you're my rock. Or You've made a career out of milking everything from the royal family. And uh, he says that uh, William and Kate will break with tradition, just as the Princess of Wales did when it comes to raising the next generation. He memorably attracted criticism for his tell-all book on the princess, also claims that Diana's approach to motherhood left her at loggerheads with the Queen. He knows nothing about things like this. He just makes it up. The Americans like this kind of old twaddle, I'm afraid, from uh, well past his sell-by. You've done nothing but uh, cheapen yourself, Paul. Nobody's interested in your ramblings, I'm afraid. It, uh, it serves no useful purpose. We lost the voice of cricket, did we not? Christopher Martin Jenkins, who died of cancer, age 67. Um, he was described last night as a cricketing institution. I never watched cricket, so I had no idea exactly what he sounded like. And that's, and, and I don't know, I know some people have got very distinctive voices and they do commentary, and they do commentary for ages. It was always a guy called Tom Somebody who used to do the commentary for all the royal weddings. And then, of course, this year the, uh, the BBC broke with tradition and just decided to chuck it all out the window and employ Fern Cotton and poor old Toss Daly for doing it and uh, thus started the big debacle and the big debate on just how bad the commentary was and how little these two vacuous airheads knew I'm afraid it was it was just atrocious. You need people with some sort of gravitas. So for Christopher Martin Jenkins, described as a cricketing institution, he would know what he was talking about. I saw Claire Balding doing, I think it must have been Channel 4 racing yesterday. There's no doubt about it. She knows everything about horses. She was standing there with no cue sheet, no cribs, no nothing at all, and could talk about jockeys and oh, so-and-so. He just got his 40th winner, and, and I'm thinking, she knows all this information in between all the other things she's doing. I hope we don't get to the stage where we're going to be bored with Claire Balding. I don't want to get to that stage where we go, oh, not Claire Balding again. You know, she's got Channel 4 Racing, that's nice, that's a full-time job, and then she's got this new quiz, which I'm assuming they've started recording. They're having to tartar up for it. She wants to give another image. I don't really know what image you can give to the people apart from yourself. It's still going to be Claire Balding underneath. But we did see this presenter the other day on a new quiz on television who was slurring his words and, uh, and looked as though he'd put on weight. And, uh, and I thought, well, not sure about that one. Uh, and John says, I met my wife online four years ago. We got married in October, never been happier, and I'm nearly 60. We should be grateful, shouldn't you, then, really, at 60? So you got married in October. So you met four, you see, but we've been courting for three years and however many months it is. <laughs> Ten months or something. <laughs> uh, somebody says, there is sad, very sad, and then there's online dating. 
But, so, but for some people, some people are better at doing that. I think there are all sorts of different people. Some people are very forward. I mean, I'm actually quite shy. I'm retiring, really. You know, you know very shy. I'm not as forward as, as people think I am. I can be. Can be very forward. Sometimes too forward, they say. Sometimes too forward. Sometimes you kind of pitch over the edge. But uh, but some people, online dating is good for them. Some people standing in bars is good. Some people go to nightclubs. Some people pick people up on the street. You know, they just sort of say, hello, you look nice. It's never happened to me, of course, and probably never happened to you either. But some people do that. Some people get, you know, they meet people at work. Because that's the best way, because you see people. Because normally if you see somebody in a nightclub, you don't know anything about them. The first first time you know about them is when you start talking. But if you see somebody in an office and you work with somebody, then you know what they're like, because you've seen the way that they behave and how other people are around them. Uh, read the RSPCA, lost 350000 over that court case with the fox hunting. Not all the money goes to looking after dogs' welfare or cats. How many animals could have been saved? Well, it's not a case of saving the animals. You know, saving the animals is not the problem. It's rehoming them that's the problem. They've only got so much space that they can keep animals in. If you go to Battersea Cat and Dog's Home, I should imagine they're chock-a-block at the moment. I should imagine they've got so many animals in there because people abandon them over Christmas, they get picked up by the dog wardens, and they put them in there, and they're waiting for a home. You can see when you go, as I said yesterday, that there's so many animals there that need a home. What do you do, then, if you've got animals in there and then more are coming in? You have to say, well, this animal's been with us for six months... We're going to have to put it to sleep because we just don't have any more room. There's, there's other animals which are healthier, which have adapted quicker. What happens if you've got a dangerous dog and there's nothing you can do about it? You don't have the time to train it because you, you have to retrain to rehome. And that's their big problem within the RSPCA. They want to rehome, but they don't have... You could, you could set aside acres and acres and acres and acres and just put dogs in cages. And it wouldn't, wouldn't solve anything because still people don't want to go and rehome them or adopt them. And they try and sell them. That's why they, they put these adverts on the television. You don't see adverts, do you? Apart from the RSPCA advert where it's sort of what happens if you as a lonely old person are going to die? Who's going to look after your animal? Leave us all your money and your will kind of situation. Whereas the Dogs Trust tell you that they never put a healthy animal down. What they don't tell you is that they might have to put animals down if they can't rehome them. They might be healthy. You know, they might not be healthy, but if you can't rehome something, there's a limit to how big your capacity is until you go, listen, we haven't got any more room for any more dogs. So that's why it's, it's a, little bit, a little bit sad, really. So my advice is don't give somebody a dog unless you've checked very carefully first of all. 84850, uk. Claire Baldwin is good at horse racing, Steve, although she was brought up in the business. Her father's a top trainer. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, she knows everything about horse racing. There's nothing she doesn't seem to know anything about. She's very, very good indeed. So I'm sure she'll be a welcome addition to Channel 4 Racing. I mean, at least we've got, lost that ghastly John McCrerick. Oh, dreadful. I'm so glad he's gone. Still probably pitch up on a, on a reality show. People seem to use people like that. They call them eccentrics. Eccentrics, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, it's Wednesday. It's back to work day. It's the 2nd of January. And the year is 2013. Just in case you had a particularly heavy New Year's Eve. We're back the other side of the news at 6, which is next with Sam Pittis. On FM, online and digital radio, London's biggest conversation. This is LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, five past six is the time. Wednesday. Awful, awful, awful. Um, 
I would never date anybody at work. They're nice, but I like to forget about work when I'm not there. I know lots of people who date at work. It's, it's because you spend a lot of time at work, so you get used to having people around. I mean, you know, I mean, people flirt with me all the time, but I mean, I've, I've, I'm impervious to it, ladies and gentlemen. Impervious to it. Uh, Graham says, what's happened to Princess Diana's bodyguard? I've got no idea. Is that, was that Ken Wharf? I can't remember. Um, the RSPCA uh, turned down many people who are willing to give a good home to one of their dogs. Well, there's always a reason. They do the same at Battersea, cat and dog's home. They vet people because there's no point in taking an animal in if it's been abused by uh, somebody, you know, and you do get people who abuse animals. I never quite understand it either, but you do get people who abuse animals. And then they go in there. They want to make sure that when they go out to a home, that's where they're going to be staying, not to be abused in another home. So that's, that's why... They have to check very, very carefully. So they do like to vet people. So they do turn them down. I mean, not everybody's suitable for having a dog. If you live in a flat, it's not necessarily, a, you know, an ideal situation for a dog. If you're a very elderly person... Who was the, there was a lady in the paper the other week, I think, who was turned down for a dog because they said the dog would live longer than her. Which, which was rather a bit of a shocking thing to say to somebody. And so that's why. That's why they said they, they, they wouldn't let her have a dog, and she was a bit disappointed. So some people who've been turned down by organisations then go and buy a dog somewhere else, because you'll always find somebody to sell you a dog. If you go to Paris, they have them in shop windows. Shop windows, dogs sitting in, not, not cages, but certainly glass boxes, and you just pick one out. I mean, over here, we did away with that a long, long time ago. Long, long time ago, we could go into a pet shop and actually see dogs in there or, or puppies. Now you don't. You go to somewhere, if you want a rescue dog, you go to, you know, Dogs Trust, or you go to the RSPCA or the PDSA, you go to any of these groups of people, you can probably find a, a rescue dog centre in an area where you live, and that would be your first port of call. But do be prepared for the fact that they're going to vet you. They might even want to come around and see where you live. They might want to find out whether or not, if, you know, if you're going to pick up a big dog, they need a lot of exercise. You've got to go out walking, whether it's wet, whether it's sunny, whether it's snowy, it doesn't matter what you've got going on, you've actually got to... You've actually got to get out there and do it. Because when we had a dog, we didn't want to take it out for a walk. You do for a, for a little while. It's the novelty, isn't it? We're taking the dog out for a walk. And then all of a sudden it gets to, oh, it's raining. I don't think we'll bother. But the dog still wants to go out. So as usual, it's mum or dad, and generally mum, who has to take the dog out, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Checking on my, uh, my stars today. This was... Uh, because you will be checking for the year ahead, won't you, just to find out whether or not it's going to be a good year. I mean, I don't believe any of it. It's a load of old rubbish. It was like watching the other day, I watched this dreadfully sad, pathetic programme called Most Haunted, where they put on a few crackpots and, and they film it all at night with the lights off. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's so hilarious. Why don't they do it in broad daylight? They go around there and then somebody goes, oh! You go, what, what? And then you hear a voice. There was a voice the other day. It was the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen, going, come out and show yourself. I'm thinking, there's nobody there. It's the cameraman standing behind you. And then so he said it again. Come out and show yourself. Are you a lost spirit? I thought, the only one who's been drinking, mate, is you and the camera crew. It's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen. How Yvette Fielding can ever hold her head up high is totally beyond me. It's awful. Awful. Uh, Karina says they still sell them at Harrods. Yes, they do have dogs at Harrods. I know, I've seen them up there. I don't like that. I don't like that. But they, they, they used to sell anything, didn't they, at Harrods? You could buy a lion at Harrods. Quite easily. So, checking my stars, apparently I share a birthday with Daniel Craig. Which is, I mean, it doesn't mean anything as far as I'm concerned. But it does mean that this year is going to kick off with a lively start. A lively start. 
That'll make a change. It says, with ideas going around your head, you'll be wound up and restless. Switching off and getting a sound night's sleep could prove to be a bit of a problem throughout January. You'll be jaded in February. It's not looking promising, this one, is it? And then it says, open the windows and let the light flood in from late February to March. Health-wise, I love this bit, wear sensible shoes and take extra care of your feet. This advice needs to be heeded for years to come. Recoup, recover and regenerate... Though money is an issue, at least in the first half of the year. So find simple pleasures, such as playing with the children, developing your creative talents, joining a local Amdram group, or booking art classes. Booking art classes. Now, the only thing that's interesting is the, uh, is the feet bit. But there again, I suppose if you're diabetic, you don't need to worry about things like that. A new family member or pet could prove therapeutic for your health. Oh, goody, we're getting a dog. That'll be nice. There's a new breed of dog snatcher on the prowl. Pedigree dogs have been stolen by specialist gangs. Uh, near Winchester in Hampshire at 3am, two Cocker Spaniels worth £1,200 uh, were both missing. The previous night, intruders broke into the grounds of a house in Bullington near Andover and forced their way into a kennel containing five dogs. They took those. And uh, what you've got to be careful of, these are people who steal dogs and then try and sell them back to you again. I don't want to go into what sort of people they are. I think you're well aware of it. These people thieve professionally for a living. And so they've got all these dogs. And then they know that the owners are going to pay a good ransom because dog owners will pay anything, pay a fortune for insurance. And so what they do is they steal dogs to order. In fact, their only order is the fact that they go out and steal them. And then they, then they let you have them back, provided you give them some money. It's been going on for, I nearly said donkey's years, but decided maybe not not the best choice of uh, of words. Yes, they do sell dogs. It's funny how they sell dogs at Harrods. I don't know. They're, people queue up and look at them. I told you we went in there a, a while ago and we were looking at, at the dogs in there. It was like a little queue of people walking past them. I think they had about three or four in. But we were so, I was more interested in the fact that the girl who was walking around with her boyfriend, her hair extensions were so bad, you could see the clips in the back of her hair. Because obviously she'd been out in the wind and it had sort of opened up the hair and so you could see all these... Oh, dreadful, it really was. Absolutely dreadful. Daily Mail today, talking about the young Briton shot dead at the beach party in Thailand. A very, very sad story. He got caught up uh, when this Thai beach exploded into violence and uh, bullets were fired. Uh, this is a former city trader. And he was at a, a Zoom bar. It's amazing how many people just go to Thailand to drink. They go to these bars. It's, it's not got the best reputation, I'm afraid. There are certain places where you just don't go to. I mean, here it's a former hippie retreat that inspired the Hollywood movie. And th- this is uh, Koh Phanang, I think. And this is the island off the east coast of Thailand. Once a tranquil hippie secret, because they were all stoned. And over the last three decades, it's uh, now... Uh, the host of the full moon parties, which can take place pretty much anywhere. There's a hedonistic atmosphere. It was done on these, this uh, film, The Beach, which had Leonardo DiCaprio. That's where they filmed that as well. And it's just a lot of people getting very drunk and doing hedonistic things. It's kind of like we're going, Whoa, walking around naked. Uh, lots of young tourists experimenting with drugs. They say many just head there for the cheap beer and dance music parties. And that's when it all exploded. And uh, this bullet has killed this Briton, aged 22, Stephen... Ashton, he'd been looking after his father. He used to work in the city, apparently. He was a a barrister's clerk. He started work but quit his job to look after his father. Uh, Members of the family were too upset to talk about it the other night. I'm not at all surprised. And uh, the family neglect, it's that big story, isn't it? Uh, Families and neighbours are to blame for elderly people having to endure dismalising care homes because it's not the best. 
I know you see the programmes on the television. They always look very jolly and lively places. And we've seen comedy programmes. They've all been set in care homes. So they go, oh, that looks wonderful. They're not like that at all. The truth of the matter is, there's just... We used to have one up near Richmond Green. It's gone now. They Strangely, they've knocked it down and built retirement homes there, which is retirement flats. But I think they have a communal city. But every time I used to pass the other one... And it was an old 60s-type building. All you'd see is elderly people just sitting there in states of sleep. It was, it was really quite, quite dreadful, not, not you know, conducive for anything at all. The whole idea, you want to keep people's minds active. The more they seem to sit in this home, the more downhill they appear to go. It's terribly dreadful. We're be the only country that do it. We shove old people in homes. It's funny, isn't it? Because when you watch Cocoon... And films like that, you think, oh, it's all like that, isn't it? All these elderly people are going out there and they're sort of getting involved. Not in this country, we don't seem to do that. People just seem to sit there and vegetate. And it's terrible. And because people get, well, we're not going to look after her. Who's going to look after her? We'll put her in a home. Sell a house, put her in a home. And that's what people do. But it's so expensive now. I think, you know, I think it's around, what, £900 a week would be an average. £900 a week for a care home just to sit in a chair and go to sleep. Almost feels, you know, anybody with assets of more than, I think, £23,500 faces unlimited charges. Best thing to do is keep keep your assets fairly quiet, isn't it, I think? Terrible. Lots of images on the television of this seal who's, who's just got completely lost. He's sort of managed to get himself over the flood defences, but because the flood water's coming in, they think he's been brought up by the river, bless his heart. And so he doesn't quite know where he's going to. He hasn't got any friends. He's all by himself. He's just bobbing. But, then get, but I mean, seals, I suppose, bob around anyway, don't they? But he's 50 miles from the coast. So at some point, they're going to have to get him out and airlift him and put him somewhere else. It's going to be a very expensive business. Uh, weather for today, all I'll tell you is wet. That kind of, kind of sums it up, actually. Uh, 84850, uk. Quick time check. It's 6.15. LBC 97.3 LBC 97.3 Call 08456060973 This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Don't forget, Nick's, Fer- uh, Nick's, Nick's Ferrari, Nick Ferrari and the team with the afternoons at 7 o'clock this morning. They're looking at the fare increases. That's bad news for most of us, I'm afraid. Uh, business with David Buick looking at the fiscal cliff, which we talked about yesterday on the programme. Small businesses, why we should encourage people to use small local shops. I've always said that. Go around your area, you'll discover it's all there. You know, some shops are good, some are not good. You just decide which ones you want to use. I use a lot of local shops. I really do. I have to, because I live there. And also, I can't be bothered to start the car up. Uh, Steve, the beach was filmed on uh, Fifi Island, not uh, Copanyang. Uh, thank you. Um, another one here. Uh, sadly, dogs are still sold in pet shops, and they're usually bred in puppy farms and should be avoided, says uh, Bridget. Yes, we, we don't have as many puppy farms as we did have, but at one time it was a big, big problem. In fact, a lot of people who were selling dogs from home, but they were effectively puppy dogs, uh, puppy farms, and so they, they'd go next door to pick up the puppy. Could you see the mum and dad? Well, they'd show, you know, it, was, it was all a little bit cloak and dagger stuff because there's, there's a lot of money in it. You know, you, you spend between four and five, six hundred pounds on some dogs. Uh, dogs sold online from sites such as Gumtree often come from the same source, says Bridget. Yes, it's probably impossible to police, <coughs> I would think. I'm not sure whether it's illegal. To, is it illegal to, to have uh, dogs from a puppy farm? I don't know. They probably come with, with problems, I should imagine. Uh, most haunted is hilarious, Steve, but I don't think it's supposed to be. 
No, it's it's just absolute rubbish. I mean, it really is just rubbish. It's so pathetically awful. It drives me mad that they uh, they put this rubbish out on the television. It's just it's just rubbish. Um, Eight five zero Steve at LBC dot uk. Mark wants to know the policeman who's uh, been accused in the Minister Plebgate row appears to be on the rather large side. Large size. This particular policeman is armed, so one would expect he could be called on to defend in a rigorous manner an attack. However, he looked like he'd be out of breath after ten minutes of rigorous running and ducking. Uh, do the police take any sort of fitness test after joining? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not sure how it operates. I'm assuming that once they've been through, they still go to Hendon? I don't know. I'm assuming that there must be a, some certain level of fitness. Also, just because somebody is large doesn't mean to say that they... They can't actually run or do anything. It's only the rest of us. Uh, apparently, spinning is riding an exercise bike, which you have to use the incline and decline. So you may be going up or downhill. Some spinning classes also include circuit training. So, yep, press-ups, star jumps, running. Not for the faint-hearted, says Vesta. Thank you. I've eaten all your curries. I love every one of them. Uh, another one here. Uh, Joe says, uh, oh, celebrity mastermind, the lovely Martin Lewis. Oh, is that the money saving? Oh, God, they're not dragging him out again, are they, really? These people who sort of pitch up on these... I mean, do they not feel a bit embarrassed when they go, it's Celebrity Mastermind, and they go, it's Martin Lewis? You go, no, he's an expert. He's not a celebrity. He's an expert. But apparently good all-round knowledge. So there you go. But that's good. But then, you know, he's not a celebrity. He's an expert in my books. He goes under the expert. He's an expert on, on money. and what he, He's not a celebrity. He's got no personality. He's not a celebrity. He doesn't juggle or ride a bike or, you know, do anything. He doesn't appear on stage or anything like that. It was the bloke, you know, the, um, the Paul Martin, who was so dim. It was just appalling, I'm afraid. Just appalling. Uh, another one here, very quickly. Let's try and get a few more of these in before the end. We'll go through the, the programmes. Uh, spinning classes, says Mark. Uh, I do a class twice a week because I can't get out in the winter for my cycling. It's very good for keeping fit. Yes, I speak to lots of people who keep fit and they all talk about spinning classes. I'd, I'd heard about it, but I didn't think it was that. It is just an exercise bike, isn't it? Uh, Liz says, although we weren't on a dating site, I recently met a lovely guy who I met playing Scrabble online. He was a random opponent, but we clicked, and we're now an item. I've just spent a week with him in America, where he's from, so we're doing the long-distance thing. Thank God for technology. Yes, th- thank God for FaceTime and stuff like that. Make it much, much easier. Uh, eight for eight, well, just read Tom Swarbrick's uh, down at Victoria at the moment. So there you go. You can catch up with him. And Steve, talking about finding love at 8.52 tonight. Must be when all the women tune into LBC as listening is the way to a woman's heart through her mind. I will either see who's on the schedule or wait, or wait ten days or so. Yes, check on the schedule. It's on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Um, must be awkward finding somebody to date at work, says Arthur, if you're self-employed and in a one-man business. Yes, it would be slight. Well, I don't know, you could go out with yourself, I suppose, couldn't you, really? <laughs> you can, I see no reason why not. Uh, Gary says, I have to admit... I've used online dating in the past, and yes, some of the pictures posted can be a little old, and some are definitely photoshopped. But on the whole, I've met some very nice ladies, and even now still keep in contact with some of them. But I think I'm destined for a single life, for the moment anyway. When that changes, I'll look at the dating site again, but I think they might be a bit too fussy, because as an attribute, they'd need to be into their fitness. If you're into fitness, you're going to want to go out with somebody else who's into fitness, aren't you? That's how it works. I tend to find people wear glasses, go out with other people who wear glasses. I don't know why that works, but you tend to you tend to see that a lot. So if you're into fitness... And also, you see, I don't think there's anything the matter with being single. I'm one of those who think being single is great. 
It's absolutely fantastic. I've got lots of friends who are single, and they don't... They don't worry about it in the slightest. And I remember saying to a friend of mine, I said, I said, do you worry about being single? She said, good God, no. She says, absolutely not. She said, you can go to bed when you want. You can make rude noises when you want to. You can do just about anything. Nobody's going to say to you, can't do this, can't do that. Some people can only survive in a relationship. Other people like being single. I just happen to know lots of people. So there's no, there's no stigma attached to it. It's only if you don't like being single, in which case then you go, oh, I don't want to be single, don't want to be lonely. But then you see, if you're not a lonely person naturally, it's not going to make any difference whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship. You can be lonely and I, you can be in a room full of a million people and still be lonely. That's, that's kind of a state of mind. That's got nothing to do with whether you have relationships or not. And some people just want relationships. They don't, they don't want to be lonely. But uh, people like me, I'm surrounded by people all the time. I'm quite grateful to get out of here and not talk to them. You know, you've always got people that go, hello, Steve. Oh, go away. Very irritated with very cross. You know, I don't talk to people all the time. So from, you know, early hours of the morning, people I'm talking to. You know, I get people texting and emailing. Then you've got the people in the office. And then, you know, the producer of the breakfast show walks, hello, how was your new... Oh, go away, honestly, a windbag. You know, it's just small talk. I just can't abide small talk. You know, these sort of... People always say to say, how are you? And I start telling them my medical illnesses and they kind of go off the idea. They, well, you asked. Friends of ours were turned down when they wanted to rehome two dogs. They've had dogs over the entire 35 years of marriage and they were turned down as their six-bedroom home set in three acres could be confusing and upsetting to animals. Well, I can understand that. I'd be, I'd be upset and confused in three acres with a six-bedroom home. It's true, though, isn't it? It is true that they, they do vet and sometimes they turn down for the oddest reasons. The oddest reasons. Um... Uh, Richard and Sarah says, thought we'd take the opportunity to wish you a happy new year. Heard you saw Gary Barlow's show, show last night. I thought James Corden came across surprisingly well, so it's a shame he's let himself down in other ways. I do agree, though, that he's rarely as funny as he likes to believe. Anyway, now back to normality. Yes, I think it's the, it's the wine. It's the wine. When he's had a bottle of wine, he becomes that Larry person. And when you read the mail today, you will read one of the columnists... And uh, you'll be saying, no, nope, she's absolutely right. It's now sunk to such level on television that it's almost irretrievable, I'm afraid. Uh, poor old Val says, I seem to have spent a good part of this year in and out of hospital, so I've had a month's respite care at a home in Bristol. I was a bit apprehensive, but the staff, staff were kind, respectful, lots of fun and made me laugh. And I'm now back home feeling rested and in much better spirits. Food was delicious, with a good choice, catering for everybody. Many of the residents had dementia, but were lovely. There were art classes exercise, sing songs, reading the newspapers. Apparently in the summer they go out for trips. One of the staff took me to the M&S at Cribs Causeway near Bristol and pushed me round in a wheelchair. This was in her own time. I'm no longer frightened of having to go into a home when I'm older. This is the one I will choose. I was treated like a human being and part of the family. If only they were all like that. If only it was as, as good as that all the way through. But sadly it isn't for so many people, is it? Uh, Graham says, I'd go out with myself, but I'm not my type. Thank you. And uh, regarding the internet dating, for a good laugh, check out uh, James O'Brien's podcast, 19th of Feb last year. I told him the story of my internet blind date. The researcher I initially spoke to was in tears of laughter. So there you go. That's researchers at LBC. <laughs> Sorry. Researchers at LBC. So it's Feb the, Feb the 19th. Uh, just enough time to tell you uh, the front pages of the papers for today... Uh, the benefits rising twice as fast as salaries. The young Britain shot dead at the beach party in Thailand is headline on the Daily Mail. The Sun today, Harry Styles has going out with a girl. It's the same one he was going out with before Christmas. It's the same boring story that it ever was. Uh, plus uh, two more years for Fergie. 
That's the football manager, as opposed to Sarah Ferguson. And the sudden poll verdict, Lampard must stay. Uh, plus the lethal assault rifle, uh, which is being sold legally in Britain. It's on the front page of The Sun this morning. The Mirror, they've got uh, Russell Grant, your 2013 stars, and also Ben's father. This is the father of missing tot, Ben Needham, has spoken for the first time about his agony. Helicopter pilot Prince William saw in the new year with a dramatic rescue mission. Have yourself a lovely day. If you're back to work today, then I'm extremely sorry for you, because you're probably not going to enjoy any bit of it. But uh, for the rest of us who've worked all over Christmas, we've had a nice time. If you go to the LBC website, you can learn how to podcast. We'll have a free podcast for you up this morning. Have a very, very nice day. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven. Coming up next, it's the morning news with Lisa Aziz.